long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's kind of like an Ewok photobomb. And Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figures. The Empire Strikes Back turns with Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. It's the Cardcast. Newest news on the oldest toys. From bubble bath to belt buckles. 12 packs to 2 packs. New boss, alien bounty hunter. From the, from the, from the, from the, from the Star Wars collection. Watch out, watch out! We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia alive! With informative features and personal collecting stories. Offer expires December 31st, 1979. And Octavito with Tempest The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought to you by the Star Wars Collector's Archive. The SWCA.com. With your hosts, Sky Payne, Steven Chewbacca, 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 and Stephen B. Deadly. I've got you now, Ben Kenobi. Star Wars Early Bird Certificate Package, new from Kenner. Kenner's Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. Join Sky and Steve. Join Sky and Steve. Join Sky and Steve as they begin. Join Sky and Steve as they begin their fourth year of broadcasting the Vintage Pod. The mysteriously motivated IG-88 is our figure of the month, and he is discussed at length, especially in his 12-inch form. We feature an unloved board game, talk about new books, new podcasts, old patents, old photographs, and a couple of foreign limelights that'll blow your mind. And for the first time ever, Fantastic Pete and Brisbane Brisbane Mike join the show to celebrate our anniversary. They have an interview and give a live market watch directly from their research headquarters in Brisbane, Australia, and somewhere in Minnesota. All this and the definitive rugby bet on the Kivecast Vintage Pod 36. It's in the custard! Wampa Wampa! Welcome to the Vintage Pod for January 2013. January 2013, Steve. That's you crazy. Know, yeah, when we first recorded this, it was January 2010. That's right. Man. So this is the beginning of our fourth year. Right. So, now, wait, Steve. Does that make it our third anniversary or our... <laughs> yeah, right? I, I think they're one and the same. A third anniversary is also technically the start of your fourth year, right? Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. But uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. The, uh, it's, you know, as we say every month, it's, it's fun that we keep on doing it more and more. Yeah, um, we're recording Absolutely. this on a Wednesday, Steve. Um, we have a lot of Canadian listeners, so they'll be happy to know that uh, I can't. We were going to record tomorrow, but uh, I have my fantasy hockey draft tomorrow. Oh man, you're doing fantasy hockey now. Yeah, the thing is, I haven't <laughs> paid attention to hockey since like 1998. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so I've only heard of like two players, and there's like yeah. thousands of them, you know. Right. But yeah, no, I I got the fever, and it's actually cool because um, you know when I was a kid, Steve. Probably my favorite toy, definitely my favorite toy, was uh, like the rod hockey table hockey game. You know? Oh, yeah. That thing was sweet. And uh, I had this version of it called Power Play Hockey. It was by uh, Coleco. Okay. And uh, it only had two teams, the Islanders and the Flyers, neither of which <laughs> I liked. But I played that game so much that I would beat every adult. And I was so insufferable, I'd walk around telling everybody that I could beat the inventor. That was what I used oh, to say. Oh, man, that's hilarious. It's like, it sounds like my little brother in Monopoly. He will just destroy <laughs> anybody in Monopoly, and he's like not even eight years old. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so anyways, I just got that uh, just today. Uh, so I set that up with Sweet. my family. Now I'm looking at that now in my little basement here. 
Yeah. So a little different kind of nostalgia. But uh, who's our figure for this month, Steve? You got IG88. That's right. Who some people call Iggy when they're getting a little bit fresh. Oh, man. That's right. I haven't thought about that for a while. But uh, I, I've been thinking a lot, you know, and, and the last droid that we covered, I believe, was R5-D4. And, yeah. uh, and we talked about him as being a fatality droid, meaning right. that uh, he's a droid who shows there's no such thing as free will, right? Like, uh, right. it was his destiny to, to explode. Exactly. I think IG-88 is the opposite. Okay. Uh, which is to say, what the hell is a droid bounty hunter, Steve? <laughs> Have you ever thought <laughs> about that? that? Yeah, that's a good ex existential question. Um, and the fact that you have a couple of them, yeah, uh, it's just it seems really strange. I mean, he's the only. I mean, droids in Star Wars are what they're they're not autonomous, right? They serve right. their masters. But here's IG88, this droid of free will. Like exactly, he, yeah, he's he's his own boss. I mean, he doesn't have a master, right? Because yeah, who would program him? You know, a bounty hunter, right? I looked up the definition. It's someone who captures fugitives for a monetary reward. Why does a a droid even want money? I mean, all you need is oil and, I mean, oil, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So, anyways, What's I just he, gonna, he doesn't have a bank account. I would assume. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then who who designed him? I mean, well, where does he go back? You know, he just he just walks around, and I mean, it's not like he has feelings, right? He's just like he's like a toaster with a gun. <laughs> anyway, I just uh, thinking about that because you know bounty hunters are what we think about as the coolest, you know, unaffiliated, you know, man or woman with no name. They just roam the cosmos hunting for their prey. Right, uh, right. And also, he's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, just uh, that that was my movie thought for the nice. month. I don't know. Do you have any, Steve? Uh, well, I mean, it does. It does kind of tie in with the uh, the old script description of IG88, and I actually was having a similar thought. All right. Well, then I'll, I'll I'll have to do the uh, the Steve flips the script drop. Did you hear it, by the way? Yeah, I did. No. I just cracked up. It's, All right. It's perfect. Well, then here's the drop. It's getting really, really hot here. Flip the script. Flip the script. And there was the drop. So, so what was it that you discovered about him in the script, Steve? All right. Well, he it's it's been that same description with Boss. There's a whole little run of the bounty hunters, but uh, right. so <laughs> aside from the other mangy human types, IG-88 is a battered, tarnished chrome war droid. So ah. it's not even really uh, he doesn't get described as a bounty hunter per se, just a war droid. Which I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about that? I, I like that. That makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you think he'd be programmed to just go and destroy right just would. just kill not just like sort of stand there bag him and <laughs> get some cash for him i don't know it doesn't really seem right yeah uh anyways i you know you know with, with all these thoughts steve i think that like half the people have thought of this like a thousand times and they're seeing that rolling their eyes saying why are they talking about this and then the other half were like whoa dude you're so right <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but anyways, well, well, awesome. Yeah, and I think too something we'll we'll notice with IG88. I think that's something that people really are drawn to with him is how battered he was. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just get this feeling that he got tipped over a lot because he has these really tiny feet, and it seems like he wouldn't really <laughs> be able to to get much traction. I don't know. I just. I think it's he true. Battered just by trying to walk. Yeah, I mean, even the Kenner toy—they make his feet a little bit thicker than I think they were in the movie. Yeah, he always just feels really spindly, like a little. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like he's like a metal a chair leg. He's a creature of metal chair legs. I don't know. With heavy guns. With, he <laughs> with yeah, with very heavy guns. 
Uh, anyway, Steve, well, that's good. I think I think we can uh, we can just segue that straight into the uh, into the news. How does that sound? Sounds good. We always kind of play around with the with the order of the show, and we yeah. we never put Steve flips the script before the news, but that's actually a pretty good spot for it. Um, yeah. And then occasionally too, we'll have Sky thinks too much about the card back. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think we could officially call that a segment, right? I, I think we could. I, I don't really feel like coming up with a with the sound drop. I actually, I, I do have a new sound drop for later in the show, Steve. So people should mm. be excited about that. All right. Um, but. Uh, you know, people make a big deal, right, out of the uh, out of the C-3PO error card. Yes, yeah. yeah so th- there's the tops card where C-3PO appears to have a metal phallus sticking out of his groinal region. Right. Uh, Steve, I mean, have you looked at the IG-88 card back? I guess I haven't in a while. I might have to take a, a, a look now. <laughs> it could just be that I'm a pervert, which is mostly true, but... I mean, he's definitely sort of standing there, and there's definitely a metal rod protruding from his crotch. And I've never heard anyone really mention <laughs> that before. And uh, that's that's my card back observation. That uh, oh man, oh man. You know I, am I crazy, Steve? I'm, I'm you, not saying it's a side by side. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, they both appear to be fairly donged droids. You because know? where where's like the the barrel or the uh, the butt of that gun? It just goes away. Yeah, it just it just goes away. And he's sitting there. He's, he's handing. He's you know holding it. It's at a certain oh, angle. You know. <laughs> uh, anyways, again, this is the kind of thing where it's like, I saw it and I thought about it, and then maybe half the people out there are like, yeah, Sky, of course. Everybody always knows that there's something kind of weird and creepy about the IG88. <laughs> his I don't know. He looks he has kind of that proud look on his face. Anyway. Uh, but that's uh. I do, do you see it, Steve, or am I just crazy? No, you no, you're not crazy. Uh, you're 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 onto something there, which is interesting and disturbing at the same time. And and then there's right. another thing too that I was looking through the the Kellerman book uh, recently. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that for IG88 they dropped the parentheses. So for Empire Strikes Back, it says IG88 parentheses bounty hunter, and then Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi just says IG88. Ah. But for Bosk, they kept the bounty hunter. In parentheses, uh, Boba Fett was never referred to as a as a bounty hunter. Dengar <laughs> was never referred to as a bounty hunter. Let's see. Let's keep on looking here. Let's see about Forlom. Forlom was never identified. Zuckus was never identified. So it's interesting. I wonder if Kenner sort of felt the need to identify these two characters because they were in the first wave, and then they just That's said, true, "Ah, yeah. forget it." But then they just decided not to change Bosk back. I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's, that's right. I, you're onto something with those being the earlier bounty hunter hunter figures. You're right. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure there's actually anything in there of any interest. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been a pretty interesting uh, uh, week of news or or month of news. Yeah. Um, I think probably that'd be good to actually start with the book that came out. Okay. Uh, it came out in December, I believe, but we didn't talk about it then. Right, and this is the uh, the action figure guide by Sansweet. I don't know what what's the actual title of it. It's called the Ultimate Action Figure Collection. Okay. And, and this is a key, Steve. If you're looking for it at a bookstore, it's in like the collectible section. Okay. It's not in the Star Wars section. 
So don't walk up to the dude at Barnes and Noble and be all angry. Be like, why don't you have the new Star Wars book by Steve Sansweet? Because uh, because <laughs> then I'll just look it up and show you where it is, and you'll feel dumb. <laughs> um, but anyways, it was also uh, done a lot. Most of the pictures were taken. A lot of the work was done by a friend of the podcast, Dan Curdo. Right. And uh, if I can, I'm, I'm going to be uh, talking to him on this show a little bit about it. Um, but even though we live in the same town, we're both very busy. We've been trying to hang out for like three weeks, and we just keep texting each other and emailing each other and never hanging out. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never easy. It, it's a pretty vintage, heavy book. Um, so basically, it's a really neat idea because instead of you know, every other action figure guide that there is out there, sort of goes wave by wave, you know. So you got the th yeah. the four waves of, of vintage, and then the droids and the Ewoks, and then you got the Red card and green card and episode one and saga and saga two. This goes by character. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I haven't actually, I haven't seen it yet. Um, that's great. I'd yeah, like it goes by character, which, it. which for the vintage collector makes the modern stuff a lot more appealing to look at because you're not sitting there having to look at page after page of POTF two red cards and say, yeah, oh, right. yeah, there's that one. Oh, yeah, there's that one. You actually can look at the sculpt. You can see how it's developed. Um, so it's cool because it goes by characters. Um, most of the, like the, the one figure with most is there's just tons of Luke's, right. um, there's 15 pages of clone troopers and oh I, my God. <laughs> I tried to get Lobart on, on the Kive cast. Uh, I texted him and he said, keep trying to get a hold of me, but not this month. So <laughs> all right, not even for our third anniversary, Steve. <laughs> Soon enough though, it'll, yeah. it'll happen. But uh, it's really cool. It's really well laid out. And uh, so I, I thought it would be kind of fun. I, I looked through it a lot today. Uh, and I'm going to kind of ask you some, some sort of trivia questions here. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, Steve, what is the name of the B-Wing pilot in the modern era? I, You know what? <laughs> Believe it or not, I can, uh, I can attest to this because um, Mark Enright actually gave one to me as a gift. Okay. I had no idea. And what's his name? Then. But his name is none other than... Kian Farlander. Woo! All right, Steve. I like that last name, Farlander. It Farlander. Sounds like a ripoff of Skywalker. Skywalker, yeah, exactly. Which it actually that is a pretty good name for your, you know, your your buried underground. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, man, Farlander. Yeah, and another cool thing is I don't know how Sansweet does it, but he always gets these awesome numbers and figures. Um, yeah. Like in in his uh, the sort of the landmark book, which sometime I'd like to talk about more in depth uh, from from screen to collectible, he's able to actually say how many Star Wars figures were sold in 1978 and stuff like that. Yeah. And so he mentions how many early bird packages were sold for Christmas 1977, and I'm just a jerk because I know the answer and you don't, Steve. So I, I really don't. How many do you think? <laughs> just just take a ballpark guess because this this is good. Uh, this is a good pod. Okay. Um. Let's see. I'm going to go with 200,000. Yeah, close-ish, 600,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and which is a lot of empty boxes. That is a lot of empty boxes. Um, yeah. And he was saying that it was criticized in the media. And mm -hmm. I, to that, I say, really? Well, <laughs> I, I put this out here. If you know kivecast at gmail.com, uh, please let us know. How? What, what was it that was said? Um, because I've never seen any of the media attacks on the uh, on the early bird certificate package. Right, right. I, I mean, it to, is a I lot of IOUs when you think about it. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a ton of IOUs. <laughs> um, and the the introduction is really great uh, for, for vintage collectors because he sort of really explains the vintage line. He talks about the early bird, the 12 backs, the small head Hans, all the, all the kind of normal things. Um, but he talks a lot about Bernie Loomis as mm-hmm. well, who, who ran Kenner at the time that Star Wars came out. And it, it's cool because in the book he, he gives him sort of more of an active participation, not so much like someone who was just sort of there, but someone who yeah, but someone that was actually involved in the uh, the creative side of things, or yeah, and who really sort of saw something in Star Wars, right? And uh, that's the next trivia question I came up with you, Steve. Do you know the the word that Bernie Loomis used to describe Star Wars? Hmm, I do not. So he made up this word. Toyetic. Ooh, man, that is good. Isn't that good? That is perfect. Man, it, it, that's, it, it makes wow. me want to like start a different podcast and just call it the Toyetic Podcast. Right. I don't know that what it would exactly be exactly what but. I was just gonna say, man. It sounds like the perfect name for a show. Yeah, it really would be. Um, <clears throat> sorry for coughing, Steve. I've had one of those weird like colds or sickness dealies that's lasted for like four months. Uh, hey, um, I just I just got over the same kind of thing. Yeah, since about Christmas, but yeah. So he said it had a toyetic feel. Oh, um, man, that's perfect. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize, too, that he was responsible. He was the one who was positive you had to have lightsabers in their hands. Ah. Um, and then uh, Sansweet also claims that the end of the vintage line was in 1985. And uh, I just made the cut. I just made the cut. 1985. Yeah, that's right. But we're, we're going to talk about that soon. Uh, I okay. think our next roundtable... Uh, Episode. I think that'll be one of the the topics. Is when yeah. was the end of of uh, of vintage? Okay. Um. And then there's some more things that I thought of just looking at this book again. I think you should go buy it. It's total. It it really is. It really is a good book to have around. Um. Have you ever? You know, we'll ask it later. We'll wait till we get back to the Hoth Rebel Commander. But I'm pretty sure that's Cliff Clavin. <laughs> right? Because he was one of those guys, and I don't think anyone's ever said that or not said that. So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, you know what? Looking at a picture of him, it really... <laughs> uh, I just, I'm looking at this picture. He's wearing his postal jacket, drinking a beer, and I could actually picture the Rebel Commander doing the exact same thing, but just in the Rebel base. Right, because, you know, it's the same... You know, the the actor was one of the actors, and, and not on the card back. The card back is different in the picture, but the actual mustachioed... Figure I've always thought was Cliff Clavin. Um, <laughs> he says that the first R two D two figure was disappointing. Wow. Which I, I don't know. I I found that interesting that you know one of the the great collectors and aficionados would de- describe that as disappointing because I think it's an I, awesome figure. It's true, but you know what? When you think about it, they kept trying to add little trinkets to him as they went on. So maybe <laughs> it's maybe true. kids were slightly disappointed if you know, oh man, all it's, all it does is his head clicks. I wanted to do this or that. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even tell you about that. About the the, the New York uh, Collectors Club, uh, I wound up walking out of there with my first uh, RCD2 sensor scope. Really? And it's funny because I'd forgotten that I grew up my entire childhood wanting one with a sensor scope and never having one. Did you get the uh, loose figure or, or a carded one? I just got a loose one. Yeah, because I okay. wanted to play with it and you had to play grow with up. It, yeah. Yeah, and like my whole, I fr- it was like this weird unlocked memory of my entire childhood just having the solid domed R2D2. And thinking, if I had that cool one where it went, do, 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 you know. Anyways, so that was a, a fun vintage memory. Nice. Uh, let's see. He claims that the Ugnaughts apron was produced in lavender 
blue and dark green. Wow. I don't know if that's true. I mean, dark green. I've never heard of that. <laughs> well, I just I didn't I don't know. We'll talk about it at some point, but that's something maybe people can talk about on the on the forums or can email us at gmail.com. Are those really considered legitimate Ugnaught variants? Um I love how he, the first thing he does when he describes Yak Face is he says, is a camel-faced character, which is good. <laughs> That's dead on, though. I mean, yeah. he's, he is essentially Joe Camel in Cause, space. Because why isn't he called Camel Face instead of Yak Face? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, there's, of course, the, the great debate of Zuckus and Forlom. <laughs> and what's cool is that the Zuckus and Forlom debate basically is it, it's the bookend. It's the alphabet of the book. You know, because well, the first figure is two one B, but four Lom is on the first page, and they go by the modern naming, so they put Zuckus on the first page and say it's four Lom, and then the very last figure is Zuckus. So I don't know. There's something cool about that—the fact that these two swapped figures are actually at the very beginning of the alphabet. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, is this going too long, Steve? No, I, I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, good. It's, it's filling me in because now I'm really wanting to get the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also had a, a realization uh, that Droopy McCool is the lamest name in all of Star Wars. There's <laughs> nothing lamer than Mick Cool. <laughs> That's your last. Droopy McCool is the <laughs> stupidest name. <laughs> I challenge you, Kivecast listeners, Kivecast at gmail.com. What is stupider than Droopy McCool? Ah. <laughs> oh. Mick cool. Now there's cool, now yeah. there's Irishman in Star Wars. <laughs> and Droopy? Ah, uh, uh, anyways. <laughs> that, okay. Uh and then the other thing I thought was cool um was seeing what figures had modern doubles and what figures didn't. Yeah. Um so there's the Black Bespin guard and what's cool is the Asian security guard if you refer to Kivecast episode number 4 where we determined that the white Bespin guard is in fact the Asian Bespin Guard. It's actually confirmed by the fact that the modern white Bespin Guard is fully Asian. He right, doesn't. He right. doesn't have the Fu Manchu, but he's it's a completely Asian face. Yeah. Um, so I think that Kenner and Hasbro both know that there's no such thing as a white Bespin Guard. <laughs> um, and then there's only one figure, Steve, that does not have a modern update. Now that's interesting. Well, that I found in looking through it today. So. Okay, so it's an original figure that, that didn't ever make it to the modern line. Yep. Okay. Mm. Uh, man, I don't know. I'm stumped. It is Klaatu regular. Oh, Just regular Klaatu. Wait a minute, what? They've made Klaatu skiff guard, but they've yeah. not made the woolly skirt Klaatu yet. Modern. Are you sure? No, but that's what I <laughs> that's what I saw right. looking up in know, the I book because they have the Klaatu skiff guard and then they have the new Klaatu skiff guard, but they don't have any just the regular Klaatu with the woolly skirt remade. Oh. Yeah, they did Nick Doe and Brada and all that. Okay, Man, but but now you're making me doubt myself. Huh. Uh, and then finally, Steve, we have something of an answer to my question about IG88. Um, well, first of all, he mentions that. The vintage IG88 had a running change, and there's a fine glittering coating in later oh. IG88s. Okay. Did you know that? I I don't know. If, I guess as far as the fine glittering, I, I don't really guess I ever perceived it that way. But uh, I mean, I've only had one IG88 my whole life, and I, I guess I should take a closer look and see how glittery he is. Right. Which uh, I don't know if you've seen Twilight, but uh, 
<laughs> you know, when, uh, when those vampires take off their shirt. One of them. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so anyways, I, I don't know if anyone out there wants to make a IG-88 as, uh, as Edward from uh, see, Twilight. I like to see him like... <laughs> Floating through the trees, sparkling. Floating <laughs> <But laughs> sparkling. Just sitting there, not just doing the whole Twilight movie, just with IG-88. <laughs> exactly. Man, I would love to see that. And, and he's like sitting there, the and he's baseball like... Baseball scene? IG-88 vampire <laughs> baseball? Oh, that would be awesome. And his whole thing is he just wants to kill uh, Bella. Like, that's his thing, is like killing her would be the greatest thing ever, because he's an assassin <laughs> droid, but, but he can't. <laughs> oh, man. This is just getting really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is. I th- I mean, I wish I knew more about Twilight. I know probably too much, but yeah, there's definitely the de- the, the vampire baseball scene. You could have like the yeah, oh man. Okay, um, but then he goes on to explain some stuff from the expanded universe, saying that IG88 was one of four models who are also known as flut droids, who wow. are obsessed with hunting and killing. As soon as they were activated, they killed their makers and later planned a droid revolution. Oh man! So I guess it's kind of like a Terminator thing, but okay, all right. I'm sticky by my initial statement, Steve. That droid bounty hunters is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! So that's uh, that's you know some pretty big news. And if I do have a chance to talk to Dan Curdo about making that book, I am going to put in that interview right here. So maybe I did interview him, Steve. Maybe I didn't. We don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We don't know. Um, but, you know, Dan Curdo is someone who quite famously last year left the Force.net or more specifically RebelScum.com. Right. And also fairly big news is that the Force cast is no more. Um, really? Well, at least the hosts of the Force cast have left and they've started their own podcast. Huh. Um, and it's called Rebel Force Radio, okay. um, which I like. So I think it sounds like a like a Clash album or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rebel Force Radio. Anyways, um, and uh, I I don't know why they they split, um, but uh, it seems as though that's a pretty consistent pattern lately of people leaving that whole area for reasons that yeah. are. Uh, the reasons that I know I've been told not to say and the reasons that I don't know someone was told not to tell me. Um, but the, the real thing is is that uh, I would say that as part of the Star Wars podcasting community and as you know, Steve, I always like to plug them because I feel guilty for how much we – you know, try to be like them from time to – how much I try to be like them from time to time. <laughs> I don't, you don't listen, Steve, right? Homage, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, nice getting around the question, but yeah. Um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, and there's even a fair chance that I will be able to interview them uh, about about their new show and about vintage collecting, uh, even with the director of Fanboy, Steve. Nice. Kyle Newman. Um, so again, they're also very busy people, so if I get a chance to interview them, I will put that in right here. <laughs> Okay, Steve, so do you think I got the interview? I'm going to say 50-50 on, on both of those. 50, I think you might, might get one. <laughs> I, might, I might get one. So it'll be funny if you're listening and, and there's just been no break in, in us going back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> I want that ship, not excuses. 
So, Steve, uh, I'm cutting in here. This is the future. This is one week after we recorded this, and you thought we'd get one out of two interviews. Do you know how many yes. we got, Steve? We get both. Uh, no, we got the opposite. We got the zero. Oh no! <laughs> uh, but I'd like to turn this lemon into lemonade. And uh, we've always been planning on having uh, Fantastic Pete and Brisbane Brisbane Michael uh, join us in the Market Watch section. Right. And, you know, they're going to kind of do a sort of roundtable market watch. Well, I was thinking, see, you know, we haven't really talked to them. We haven't, I mean, I've actually never talked to them. Right, um, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> the only time we ever heard from Pete, I think he called the, the Wampa line in the days of old. But That's uh, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, way, way back then. So, yeah, uh, let's, let's start off with a little interview with them, and then uh, we'll come back to them later with the market watch. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right, Steve, so here we are with Fantastic Pete and Brisbane Brisbane Michael. That's right. We got the, the correspondent core here. Yeah, and I, I was just saying, Pete, uh, that we did hear from you, right, early on in the in the Wampa Line days. Isn't that right? That is very true. The, I think one of the first debates that Ace actually called in um, on the AFA topic. That's right. Okay, so I, I, I actually forgot that. Steve reminded me. And then Brisbane, Brisbane, Michael, is this the first time we've heard your voice? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and perhaps I'll, I should clear up this uh, pronunciation issue. <laughs> okay. So it's Brisbane. Okay, you know what's great? Was, was the audio cut out? So <laughs> so I'm just going to pretend it's Brisbane from now on. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it's Brisbane. Oh, yeah. Yep. Man. All right. Well, so, Steve, I feel like a little, a little part of my innocence just died there. But yeah. it's just closure, guy. It's closure. <laughs> it is. It is closure. Uh, well, you know, this is sort of our our celebration. We've been on for three years now, and uh, I just wanted to say to both of you that uh, the fact that we haven't had you on, uh, you have not been on a probationary period. Uh, it, it is not that you have not been worthy. It's just that we've been kind of lazy and not really knowing what to do. Um, so, so thank you both for uh, for coming on. Absolutely, thanks for having us on. Yeah, so I yeah. I think probably the the most fun thing is you know how you know how did you so you're best known to our audience as being the folks who who run the 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 website. Uh, do you want to give out that website again in an Australian accent, Mike? Yeah, so it's the uh, Kivecast Market Watch .wordpress.com. All right, thanks. It sounds a little bit cooler with the accent. Um, and just a quick question: Do you have like a specific accent of Brisbane, or like do you sound funny to someone from uh, uh, Sydney? No, no, we're pretty um, we're, we're pretty common um, across the, across the country, except maybe Tasmania. They, they can start getting a little blurred, and uh, <laughs> obviously New Zealanders uh, across the across the uh, the ocean have a have quite an accent. But uh, no, no, we're all, all pretty much similar here in Australia. Okay, good. No, no, no southern or uh, northern accents here. I, I almost got into trouble. I was almost like, would they think that? You know, you sound weird in New South Wales, but then I realized I have no idea if Brisbane is in New South Wales or, or where it is. So <laughs> uh, I had to stay safe. So, so how did whose idea was it to come up with this website? It was um, really Michael's. Yeah, um, Mike kind of came up with it, and then I just uh, kind of wrote his coattails on it. And he said, "Sure, I'll pull you along for a little bit." 
Wow, that that was awesome. So, Mike, how, what what you just listened to the show and you thought, why doesn't someone do this, or how how did you have that idea? Well, kind of, it all started. I, I finished listening to an episode, um, and then I think it was the it would have been the end of. I think you'd probably call it season two. Was after the Death Squad Commander, and then. I was just had some time to kill. I looked at some Greedo items. Um, I put together a, a like a little uh, private message, I think, back then, and sent it to Steve. Yeah, and, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then it kind of took off from there a little bit. And and I'm not the biggest fan of that private message. You, you know, you've you've got 200 of them or whatever, and then they start deleting them. And right. so I I um I thought of try, I try to think of something a little bit more permanent. And um, so I. I wasn't really into blogging at all, so I tried to find a free website, and I don't know. I just came I came across this, and and then I thought, hey, this would actually be a reasonable record of. Um, I mean, I'm sure no one else there uses it. I actually use it um, every now and then when I look back on. Uh, I'm I'm trying to buy a snaggletooth mock at the moment, and I I went back and looked at kind of what they were. Um, so yeah, I just thought it'd be something a little bit more permanent, and and. Yeah, so that's that's really the the genesis behind it. Well, yeah, it's much. I was gonna say it's much better than like the random named computer files on my <laughs> on my laptop. And <laughs> and I think you're wrong. I think people will go to, to to reference it. And actually, Steve and I have laughed about it in the past. I don't think we've ever laughed about it on air. But it's a, it's entirely possible that the most useful thing of the of the Kivecast <laughs> is actually that website because yeah. uh, you know when you when you look at the you know Chris G sca- uh, scrapbook or whatever. Um, I mean, it is great to have this. This, first of all, it's great as as a price guide, but then it's also great just uh, as something to look at too. Just another thing to kind of to kind of goof around. So then, then Pete, how did you get the idea of, of jumping in there? Yeah, um, it was actually I think uh, for a while there, I've been sending Steve a couple different things for the market watch, just kind of general thoughts, um, nice pieces I've watched, you know. As a lot of people, I spent a lot of time on the eBay um, website. I spent a lot of time on Rebel Scum, the Gunnerine, sites like that. And just I wanted to start to kind of document some of the big pieces that I saw come out. So simply it was just me and kind of Steve conversing through Rebel Scum. You know, here's some links. Here's what I'm seeing. Um, and then eventually, you know, Michael had the website going. And I think the initial connection actually was between the two of you and the two of us. Right. And then from there, we just kind of said, "Yeah, let's yeah. keep on." Now, now, do you guys know each other at all? I mean, do you had you had any contact whatsoever, or prior to this, um, Carl? You know, we obviously talk over email a lot. Um, you know, uh, Michael's a big um, Bills fan. Um, whether he wants to admit it or not, kind of like I yeah, that's right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait um, you make the football team, the Buffalo Bills. Yep, absolutely. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, my big fan there. And, you know, so we've conversed a lot about football and exchanged, you know, a lot of information about our collections and stuff. And so, yeah, over email, have become pretty good buddies. Um, but this is actually the first time for all four of us to be on the line. But individually, it's um, the first time for each one of us, too. Oh, that's... Unless you count that waffle line time before. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I met... You even called in drunk once, right? I th- no, I don't think so. No, you didn't. Okay, <laughs> no, I well, think that was someone else. <laughs> all right. Well, it's uh, you know, I think I think in the history of the Wampa line, I think you had about sixty percent of the calls, and that that's true. Even if you only called once, <laughs> I was. Uh, 
ratios. Yeah. Now, now, what exactly do you collect, Pete? Um, I mean, I, I I know that you sort of have argued in favor of AFA in the past, but uh, what what is it that uh, that people should think of when they think of what does Fantastic Pete collect? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I kind of just summarize it as all things Return of the Jedi American release, um, okay. which is really big spanning, um, you know, grouping. But I'd say probably out of that, my biggest focus is going to be mint on card figures. Okay. Okay. So, so then, like, so the American Kenner uh, release. The original seventy nine. Right. So um, I have a big focus on the mint on card figures, a lot on the vehicles, um, you know, mint and sealed box items. I ventured out into catalog mailers, but kind of trying to get just a sampling of everything that's out there in the line. Um, but when it comes to, like, completeness and, like, where I spend a lot of my time and a lot of my effort, it's definitely the Metton card stuff. All right. And, uh, hey, Steve, do you want to ask uh, Mike the same question but with your voice so it doesn't people don't get sick of hearing me? <laughs> sure, yeah. And uh, I know I think some of my initial talks with Michael, he was asking about the micro collections. I know, Mike, you, you do a lot of that, but do you do uh, the regular stuff too? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm gonna started off really with the micro, and then I, I branched into the pretty much Empire Strikes Back carded figures, and, and really the the last year or so, I'd kind of sum myself up as a as a Luke Bespin collector. I've been kind of trying to put to put together a pretty decent Luke Bespin run, so I've got some nice pieces, some nice pre-production pieces, and yeah, hoping to expand that uh, as, as time goes on. Well, cool. we, yeah, we're gonna have to talk to you soon because I think yeah, that's next month. Investment. Yeah, yeah, it's, is it next month? No, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, right. All right. So yeah. if, if you like the the vintage pod and, and you like uh, helping us out, think of uh, Brisbane, Brisbane. I'm sorry, Mike. I gotta call it Brisbane, Brisbane. Mike, yeah, no. uh, Think of him for the, <laughs> the the Luke. And also, too. I mean, at some point, Steve, we gotta talk about micro because I mean that we get so yeah. much talk, of, so many questions about when are we going to do a micro show. Um, and uh, I, you know, I've just been waiting for that book, but I think maybe we'll just we'll push ahead and do it sooner. Yeah, I think it's it's a good uh, thing that we've we've kind of left on the on the shelf that deserves a, a show. What do you think, Steve? Think because we're going to be talking a lot to them later in the show. Should we go right to the Soviet lightning round? Yeah, let's let the night on the lightning strike. Ooh, I like that, Steve. That's a new one. <laughs> Three years in, you guys are gonna have to listen to the show. He actually winds up uh, kind of like uh, dissing me at some point, and I, I wouldn't realized... say it's a diss. It was a zinger. Not it was a, a zinger, but it, it was the first time it went in that direction in the history of our show. <laughs> it's probably been four years coming, Scott. I know it has been. I'm just afraid he's gonna start, you know, letting loose. <laughs> uh, crying my Jenny lights. Uh, all right, so. The funny thing is, is I always have to look in my old computer to, to find my, my lightning round questions. Um, so I actually I found one that we haven't asked in a long time. Uh, and that is, what has been so far your best collecting moment? And let, let's start with, uh, with Pete. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think the big thing, and we actually uh, we posted a little lightning round on the website, a little bio about each of us. But the one thing that I think that was just kind of so cool and so historic for me was just realizing that vintage was collectible. And huh. it was when I was about, you know, early teen years, was in an antique shop, walked around the corner and just saw a beautiful display of all the loose figures, the loose vehicles. I saw some package stuff. And it was just that moment, um, you know, we talk about emotional attachment to different things in the hobby. It's kind of almost like my heart was like, 
this is it. This is a great kind of tangent for you to continue what, for me, um, kind of ended way too early. Right. I was really into the line and the Return of the Jedi line, specifically as a um, kid. And with that, um, when the line ended, I kind of, like, lost a part of me. And when I saw it again in the antique store, it's kind of like, well, wow, I can start off with this and I can reconnect with different things. Right. And that's cool. So that's why you sort of focus on Return of the Jedi then, because it's sort of the, the continuation of the line for you? Yeah, it was what I remember seeing in stores. You know, I saw Power of the Force, um, the last 17, and a couple different um, showrooms over time. But for the most part, it was really the main line that I saw. And, you know, part of the reason I went and collected that line specifically was just because you can span the entire series with one card back, which I just always thought was really cool, too. Right. You know, actually, I just realized... I remember you did put up the, 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 the lightning round on, on the website. Huh. Uh, yeah, we just put up a couple quick pieces. Um, it's funny, but because I was reading through it today, and it's like, depending on what time, and I'm sure this is the same for every collector, depending on what time <laughs> it is in your collecting days, your focus really shifts, your, your holy grail may shift a little bit. Yep. Um, but, but in general, yeah, it's, it's pretty much out there for anybody who ever wants to reference the two of us. Right. Okay. Well, that, well, that's good. Then we'll have to see if they if they, they vary again. It's KiveCastMarketWatch.wordpress.com. I, I have to admit, guys. I every month I almost get the blog hoster wrong. I, I never do, but I I come really close every month. And then I always say, Steve, did I, I said WordPress, right? He's like, Yeah, no, you said WordPress. <laughs> and then I go back and I edit it out. So, uh, anyways, it's uh, KiveCastMarketWatch.wordpress.com. All right, good. Um, well, then I'll ask the same question of you, Mike. Yeah, look, I think um, if you'd asked me this, and it's funny, I think this is what I've actually written on the uh, on the website um, a little while ago. It would have been when I got my really first great condition mint on card figure which was funnily enough an ig88 oh, cool. um you know I'd, I'd kind of bummed around buying a few you know lesser quality mint on card figures cracked bubbles yellowed bubbles and i remember seeing this really crisp get well you know getting it out of the the box that, that shipped to my door this really crisp ig88 and thinking wow this is this is really great it's a little piece of history uh it happened to be graded so it was you know nice in a little acrylic container um but I think what's really changed in the last year or two is, is, and it's somewhat involved, getting a little bit involved in this show and, and the forums, and it's really that community side of it. And I'm pretty sure Steve said something like that in the first episode, and, and it's true. I think the, you know, getting involved with the community, getting to know guys, um, you know, through either chatting or deals or whatever it is, it's, it, it, that's what's really, I think, been my greatest moment in collecting is really, the, you know, the past little while just getting involved in the, in the community side of it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I like both those. I think, Steve, uh, have I ever talked about my first uh, vintage figure, the MOC I ever got? Uh, you know, I think you might have, but it might be a good time for a refresher. You know, I should actually probably ask uh, Pete and Mike because they probably remember better than we would. Um, <laughs> but I had a very similar thing where the first, you know, I got it was actually kind of a combination of your two stories. When I realized that vintage was a collectible I could get. And then I didn't know, you know, if I'd get a fake. So the first thing I got was a AFA 75 12-back Chewbacca. Oh, wow. And uh, I remember yeah. it was $325 from Cloud City Collectibles back when they existed. And I was so excited to have this thing. 
I mean, first of all, I didn't know what AFA cases were, and so I know both of you guys, you know, kind of like AFA. So I was trying to chip it open because I thought the case was broken and like there was a door that just wasn't open. So I was trying to crack it out, but not because I was like no AFA. I just, <laughs> I just didn't know. <laughs> and I, I remember I was living in Oakland, and I was so excited that I when I drove down to LA for a party, which is like you know five and a half hours away. I brought it with me to show my friends. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I remember a, a friend of mine, the, the same guy who's in commercials, looked at it was like, why is it in that stupid case? I'm like, I don't know, but look at how cool it is. But uh, All right, Steve, oh, Steve, do you, do you want to ask the next uh, lightning round question that you remember? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it may not be the correct order. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but uh, I know one of them for sure was rating right the movies. So, uh, Pete, what, how would you rate... Rate the, the six movies. Oh, man, that is old school, Steve. We haven't asked yeah. that one since, like, season two. All right. I know. i got to bring it back. Oh, I love that question, yeah. Um, I'm up there with almost everybody, I think, in the vintage community or a huge chunk. Um, episode five will always be my favorite. Um, from there, I'd actually go episode two. I know that's not a fan favorite. Wow. But to me, um, it's, it's just a really good um, continuation of that trilogy, and I think that trilogy just has a life of its own, and that kind of for me, stirred the pot a little bit and created a little bit more chaos in the first trilogy um, than I was experiencing in what we saw in Phantom Menace. From there, really easy, four, six, three, and one. Wow, right. wow. putting episode two, number two. That's that's brave. Yeah, I know that, you know, you open yourself up to things like that, but with a name like Crap Boy 24, I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. That, there's one thing I'll say about you, Pete, is you don't, you don't like try to seem cool. Like you are cool, but you don't like worry about that. And I think that's a, a really good. I mean that in the best possible way, because oh, the, the worst totally. things in the world are people who try to seem cool, and then you get to know them, and they're just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Well, how about that? But uh, yeah, yeah. No, we should uh, we should try and see episode uh, two and three D together. That, that'd be fun. Oh yeah, dude. We're definitely um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be there opening night, uh, and I think we'll be the only the only two uh, vintage collectors doing that. How, how about you, Mike? I'd I'd run Empire, uh, Star Wars, or A New Hope, um, and I'd, I'd flip here and and have uh, episode three, uh, then Return of the Jedi, uh, then two, then one. So that's uh, that's my order. Wow. All right, Steve. So. Uh... We finally get an interesting answer to those questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we got some prequels breaking into the top three. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. Should, should we ask the Burning House one, Steve? Yeah, it's always entertaining. I think. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, if your house is burning down, if you were in wait, w which part of what's the name of the prefect of uh, Brisbane? Is it in New South Wales? Queensland. 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 Okay. Are those like 5,000 miles apart? Okay. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. Some, yeah, some ways apart, yeah. Yeah, okay. So so if you were there... And well, the, sorry, Sydney to Brisbane is, yeah. Okay. So then if there was this great Queensland fire and you could only save one item out of your entire collection, which one would it be? I think I'd run with my, um, and again, this is a little different to the website, but it's, it's something similar. Um, my childhood Imperial Attack Base, it's... Uh, 
I've still got the box, um, which actually kind of says made in Australia, which is, is pretty rare. Oh, I've still got awesome. the instructions. Uh, don't have the cardboard inserts. Uh, and I, was, I think it was one of those things that's perhaps why I'm a little bit of a collector these days is because I, I always used to pack it away as a kid with all its pieces and, you know, it's, it's survived 30 odd years of, 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 of being around and it's, it's still all intact. So yeah, I'd grab that piece. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like the, the, the base and stuff from the, 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 the Hoth set? Yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, yeah, that Imperial attack base. Um, you know, kind of not related to the movie really in any way, but um, right. it was like kind of the. It was like my main piece as a kid, as a as a toy. Everything kind of revolved around. I you know I used to do. Uh, I can remember doing Chewie and 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 Bush kind of setups. You know that that <laughs> they'd be at Hoff. So every right. every every place that I had as a kid was revolved around that set. Right. I think too the that playset. You know, because we don't talk that much about playsets, Steve. Yeah. But I, you know, I have a bunch of nephews and my kids, and any of that just white plastic. I don't know what it is, but that they love it. They'll play with that more than the ATAT. I don't know why it is, but <laughs> they just love the weird snowy hoth stuff. So that's a that's a cool piece. Uh, what about you, Fantastic? So mine's a little bit more generic, just in kind of the general sense of, of what we're talking about. I don't have a huge ton of emotional attachment to this piece, but in kind of the spectrum of my collection, um, I always kind of go back to this piece as kind of like my iconic piece in my Minton card collection, and that's just my Return of the Jedi Tatooine scene, Luke Skywalker. Oh, cool. Um, I, I found it in exceptional condition with a perfectly clear bubble, um, you know, a lot of people talk about the grade being important. That is to an extent to me, I guess. You know, when you get stuff back, I like to see, hey, you got an 80, you got an 85, something like that. But a huge chunk of my collection is 75s. Um, they're just in great condition. But it's just really nice to have um, one of the core original 12s, especially when you think about the longevity of the movies and the popularity of specific characters. Right. one of those characters in that nice condition. It just kind of stands out against the wall of the other figures a little bit. Yeah, no, that's cool, too, because sometimes if you have to boil things down to just one item, it's not necessarily the most valuable or the most meaningful, but just kind of symbolic. And, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. I knew when I got that piece, I really struck gold, and um, it's one of those that as the years have gone by, it just it always just stands out with no matter what else I get in the collection. Right. Awesome. Uh, then I... Th oh, yeah, we have to ask the, the Grail question, right? Because, you know, it's... Uh, Steve, what's our record? Have we ever actually found someone's grail for them? You know, I don't think we have yet. But uh... but I think part of the problem, Steve, is that we interview you, you know Ron Salvatore and Gus Lopez, uh, and they have everything. So if we interview you know people kind of like us who sort of don't have everything, maybe we'll have you know better luck, right, Steve? Yeah, maybe. All right, let's see. Let's see what they say. So, if you uh, if you can have one item, what are you looking for? Uh, or you know, uh, let's uh, who should we start with, Steve? Mike, let's go with Mike. All right, I'm going to go with a, a Luke Bespin here. So, uh, uh, any pre-production real item, but a, a first shot or a, or a hard copy, um, something like that. Um, I know there's a few out there. So, if I could get my hands on a one of those one of those items, it'd be it would be awesome. Yeah, and that's. Probably doable. That's but, doable, yeah, yeah. Because I've definitely seen them around, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a couple, you know, zeros at the end of the number that make yeah, it a little, yeah, bit, <laughs> yeah. a little bit uncomfortable. Yep. Now, now, would you settle for, like, an arm? Well, I, I have a torso at the moment, and it's great. But, oh, cool. Uh, 
Yeah, so, yeah, adding an arm would be terrific, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, something in that vein would be would be awesome. All right, and, uh, Pete, how about you? Um, for me, it would be a Return of the Jedi proof sheet of some type with multiple figures on it. Oh, uh, cool. The uncut sheets, obviously, I'm, it, you know, it's one of those kind of pipe dreams at the end of the day, but when you look at the Kellerman book and you look at some of the stuff that was out there and some of the auctions in the late 2000s, you know, if they're out there, yep. um, will I ever come across one? Probably not, but, you know, that is the one thing that, I've had a couple of the large Revenge or Return of the Jedi proofs, like the Adat and the Rebel Transport over time. Uh-huh. They don't really display that well, but those pieces, when you have the multiple cards, I think just look so iconic. Right. Um, given the mint on card focus, it just fits in perfectly with everything. It kind of pulls the whole collection together. So, pipe dream, but maybe someday. Yeah, maybe someday. I think that's a good example of where networking will help you because if something sold in, in the late 2000s, um, like I know where a couple of those are. I almost I almost bought one myself, but I couldn't bring myself to buy it because I would have cut it up and then I would have hated myself for cutting it. <laughs> so yeah. even though I wanted to do that, I didn't want to do that, and so it wound up going somewhere else. But uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. Those those pieces are are beautiful, and they sold pretty recently. I mean, Steve. I mean, remember that Steve at the second California meeting when we were talking to John Kellerman. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't there, man. That was the one meeting oh, I missed. Oh, right. And I've yeah. been killing myself over it ever since. Because, I mean, he brought, like, you know, a full folder with, you know, chromalins, and he had his whole sale list, and he had most of his stuff still there. Right. Uh, in- including, like, all those, uh, all, all those uncut uh, sheets, which I think have all gone now. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely doable. All right, good. Well, we'll uh, Steve and I will have our, our eyeballs out for that. And then finally, of course, my favorite question, the only real lightning question. If you were a vintage figure, not what would you like to be, but what do you feel you actually would be? Let's go with Pete. Um, This one, I actually kind of had a funny one that we posted on the website a while ago, and it was when I was unfortunately having a problem with my knee. I went to Power Droid because at the time my knee kept clicking like the Power Droid, (laughs) and every time I went into my closet, saw my Power Droid Minton card figure, I'm like, I know exactly what you sound like out of the box. And I don't even need to find one to show myself what it is. Um, wow. So, so kind of a random, random thought um, on that one. We posted that on the website. Truly, um, and, and this kind of goes to my character to a little extent. And um, my favorite figure of all time was Greedo. And really? I said from a personality perspective, it's one of those where sometimes I bite off a little more than I can chew just in general. Um, right. So I'm going to go with that just because of the childhood memories and the fact that we have that same personality trait. Although I do hope to live a little bit past the uh, first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of this episode. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, Alan, Alan bit the dust a little early. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. Alan did. But, I mean, do you consider yourself greedy? Not at all. Not at all. Um, huh. To be quite honest, it was just um, – as you guys kind of talk about, you know, your top five figures and stuff like that that I've heard on the episodes before. Right. I think it was – of the head and also for some reason green was my favorite color growing up so okay. just like hated towards him yeah no the, the the top five list was a great idea but then like many things in the Kivecast vintage pod it just sort of dropped but I think we'll, we'll have to pick it up again <laughs> I, I think it, it ran up into celebration and then it was just like poof but uh, we'll, we'll have to bring that back um, alright and then how, how about uh, you Michael 
Well, I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm completely obsessed with, obsessed with Luke Bestman here, but uh, I'm going to run with him. All um, right. And I'm going to say it because he kind of reminds me of, of me in the sense that uh, he he did a little bit of training and then uh, he, he flew off to, to Cloud City kind of, you know, half half baked, so to speak, and, <laughs> right. and that's that's kind of how a lot of my, at least my early collecting was. It was kind of half baked, rushed into into items, and I, you know, I've got a half a cupboard full of stuff. I look back on and go, you know, ouch, why did I buy that? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that, so there you go. That's uh, that's my answer. That, now, now, that's a good analogy. Yeah, that's good. Now, would it, would, would it be the the thirty one back? You know, the slowly walking or or the the gun pulled out? Which one do you feel is more you? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the 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 walking. So the um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go with that one. Yeah, that I, I, we'll talk about that next month. But I, I think it's a bummer they changed it because that slowly walking. Yeah. That, that is that character at that time. He's like, what yeah. am I doing? He always looks kind of like he peed his pants too. I, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, awesome. I, I, we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna visit with you guys again. Uh, you've written up. Uh, I mean, it could be your finest work uh, as far as the the market watch goes. And what's great is that, man. I mean, I hated getting the market watch together, and then Steve took it over, and I think Steve liked it okay, but you know, just kind of did it. And then you guys seem to actually like it, so it's uh, it, it 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 all works out. So uh, let's uh, Steve and I'll get back to the show, and we'll we'll talk to you uh, at the market watch. Uh, why don't you tell us about the next uh, uh, news item, Steve, because I'm tired okay. of talking. All right. So we had a nice uh, interview with Matthias on <laughs> trilogo.info. That's uh, Joe O's website. And um, and it's funny, just reading it, I can just still hear Matthias saying all those words exactly. <laughs> I would say the same thing. Um, you can his, uh, his personality, you know. Just shines through. <laughs> it absolutely shines through, you know. Um, the only thing is, you know, he he types chirp, you know, chirpa and not sherpa. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely had Ava stuck in my head the whole time too, and uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was good too. And also, you know, they it's we haven't mentioned trilogo.info in a while, um, but that's it's a really cool interview because it's really pointed about trilogos. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you know from the other interviews I've read that shows done, he really does a good job of of keeping it on topic as far as the website goes, and just getting that that trilogue perspective from people. Yeah, and I, now we're going to be talking about this in the feedback section. But I think we're going to be doing more round tabley episodes, mm -hmm. um, so that might be fun to do a a trilogo episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just to have sort of where we could talk about the stuff because, you know, I own the, the Makanda the Trilogo book, obviously, and I love it, but uh yeah. when I read about the bubble variations, my eyes glaze over and I I just I just imagine I'm <laughs> you know, playing center field yeah, for the Red Sox. It's uh it's Trilogo is one of those things where there's, I mean, it's just like everything else. There's those things that are so detail oriented that, like, I'm like you. I'm, I'm admittedly, I get kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but then there's the crazy, you know, differences as far as the card back designs and photo art and, and all that funky stuff, which I love. So yeah, no, it's totally great, and I should know more about it. So yeah, um, yeah. So definitely check that out. Uh, we'll put up a, a link to that, but you can just look up, you know, trilogo.info, and it's it's pretty featured there on their site. 
um, just in case you miss Matthias, uh, who, who apparently was in New York this week, but I wasn't able to see him. Oh man! Yeah. Well, I'm, I live eight hours from New York, so it's not. Exactly, uh, that's right. You got to keep that in mind. It's not, it's not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like saying, "Oh yeah, he was in California. He was in." Uh, he Eureka. was in Reading. Yeah, he was in Eureka. <laughs> um, uh, and what's the deal with these patents, Steve? All right. So these they've been on the archive for quite a while, but uh, recently Chris G. Uh, what posted a thread? Who? <laughs> Chris Jorgulius. Thank you, dude. Come on, Steve. We don't say Chris G on this podcast. <laughs> that name holds that that name holds no meaning to me. No, no, no. Wait, no, no, is, no, is that even bad. is that even the Vader line? What's the Vader line which says I knew you're Anakin Skywalker? That name, right? That name no longer That name no longer has any meaning for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris G, that name no longer has any meaning for me. Thank you. So what did Chris Jorgulius um, highlight? Because he basically did his own nugget from his own section of the archive, which was yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was. It's good. I mean, I I remember looking at these a couple of years ago, and it's funny because some of the stuff it you can tell it's clearly meant for the toy, and other stuff it's it says for the action figure, but it just has a weird little image of the character, which doesn't you know it looks like just a pat you know. Well, so, so what what is it? Describe them a little bit more, Steve. Okay, so there's a section I think it's on Google, um, right. where all these patents for the vintage Star Wars stuff is, and uh, I mean they they have all the Jesus the straight patent information from from the '80s, the United States patent stuff, which has you know the inventor and the terms, and uh, then. These interesting little descriptions um, and little figure, you know, drawings of stuff, and it's it's just funny to see things like uh, like the mini rigs and stuff as these, you know, <laughs> discrete little creations. I mean, it's really yeah. what what you're looking at is the documentation of them, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's fun as far as and he actually made a good point. It'd be a nice thing to kind of print out if you have. You know stuff like this to display with with the toys, just to kind of give it that that official feel, I guess. Right. Yeah, and it's it's neat too because what I like is seeing who is considered to be the inventor. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and taking IG88 for example, um, they have the IG88 pattern for the toy. Okay. And it says that it was invented by George Lucas and Ralph McQuarrie. Huh. So I guess. They're the only, you know, so Joe Johnston didn't have anything to do with it, and uh, any of the toy creators didn't, didn't have anything to do with it. Um, and they have, you know, these great drawings, just simple line drawings where you see how the figure looks. Um, yeah, and then and then for some of them, there's no one you've ever heard of, like the mini rigs. You know, they're just, yeah, yeah. They're just straight up, you know, the, the famous toy designers we've heard of, like the Cap 2 from last month is just Mark Boudreau. Right, um, and that makes a lot of sense because it's not like Lucas was sitting there thinking, "Now, uh, what, what what would Boss capture people with?" Uh, so, was that Lucas or was that Bane? Ah, oh, how dare you confuse my impersonations! Um, <laughs> well, is that the first time you've ever insulted me on this show, Steve? I don't know. Maybe it's just I think it may be. I didn't quite hear you, but three, I just got the tail end and I heard Bane. Three years in and Steve finally strikes back. <laughs> Drops he's, the hammer. It's going bad, so you don't have to hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot of a lot of really – I just I, – I looked at it and I thought, okay, I'll just take a look and then I'll keep moving on. And then yeah. I wound up just clicking on all of them. Yep, yeah. Um, and it's cool too that like uh, – 
you know, some people, what was it that uh, Macquarie got sole inventor rights on the lightsaber, which really? is weird. You'd think that Lucas would get that on that. Um, and, uh, and then also there's like the weird cases where mm. the toy was cited or not cited. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand how that works. Maybe I don't either because I saw, Tommy Garvey I saw him or it was like 1971. <laughs> right. So I think what that is is that this like it was referred to as maybe there's a conflict with what what it is. Okay. So uh, the thing that was found a citation was for Jabba the Hutt. Ah. Was first of all a golf club, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 Callaway golf golf company said golf club with necklace metal head, so oh. I don't know how it got referenced. Maybe because Jabba the Hutt doesn't have a, a neck, or he does kind of look like a, a golf thing. But then another one is a toy manatee. Oh man, <laughs> so that is perfect. Going back to the archive party, I I can't believe we never thought of the similarity between Jabba the Hutt and a manatee, <laughs> but we could have done that. I mean, falling off a log, it's so easy. This giant fat figure with small, stupid arms. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely take some time. Check that out uh, on the on the archive. We'll, we'll include a link to that. Just, I love the idea of Jabba the Hutt actually at the Call uh, Callaway Gardens golfing. And just, yeah. I don't know why. It just sounds great. Yeah, it does. Um, and uh, another, another, not really a news story, Steve, but this is something that I want to work on. Um, okay. So this podcast is is I don't like to use it for my own my own devices, but uh, I'm going to this time, Steve. All right. So I All have right. a, I have a task. Okay. Uh, my the the day that I registered on Rebel Scum, uh, April thirty first, two thousand and four, uh, was one year before my son was born. Okay. Uh, which is the reason that I remember it, not because I remember the reg date. Um, and I was thinking for this August, I, he's really into chess and he's really Ooh. into the idea of Star Wars chess. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out how can you make a Star Wars chess set? I was thinking like you just take it and just sort of cut them off at the waist, you mm -hmm. know, and like make little stands for them. That's fine. I can figure out it. But what figures work as a vintage Star Wars chess set? Ooh, that's a good question. Now I talked about this with my brother Amos for probably two hours. <laughs> I was gonna say I can see I can see this spiraling into many different types of discussions. You know, because he'd be like, "Oh, that's easy." You know, we'll just have you know the 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 rebel troopers as pawns. I'm like, you, they make a vintage figure. I was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "Oh, okay." I mean, we're trying to figure out who would be. You know, would you go just by movie? You know, yeah. like, and there's only one woman in the entire series, right? And so that's Princess Leia. Right, right. So she's the queen, but then who's her king? Is the king Luke? That doesn't make sense because they can't be married because they're brother and sister. Oh, and man. he's actually a knight who's like a Jedi knight, so that would kind of work more as a knight. So then is Han Solo the king? Well, he's not really the king. <laughs> but then if you made it like Return of the Jedi, then you could have Akbar be the king. That kind of makes sense. Or like, yeah, I was, I was going to say. Or yeah, Maydeen. We could have Maydeen as the king and Akbar as the queen. <laughs> and, and then, and then on your on your dark side side, you know, you'd have like, you'd have to have the emperor as the king, yeah, and then you'd have to have Vader as the queen, because because yeah. he's the most powerful character and he serves the king, right, right. So then does that mean that Luke would actually have to be the? This is what we finally came up with. Luke would be the queen, and Princess Leia would be the king. 
Because ah. she's kind of like the figurehead, and he's like the one who has to fight Darth Vader. It mm. all gets very confusing, Steve. That, so, that, you know what? It, that does sound extremely confusing. <laughs> so I, I would like to invite the, the listeners out there just to think about it. Um, I've been trying to figure... I don't think you can do it with just episode four. I don't think no. there's, a, there's enough... There's no good pawn, for instance, in episode four for the Rebels. Right, right. Um, but there is in episode five and episode six. Obviously, you could have a Hoth-themed one or an Endor-themed one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I just thought this could be a fun thing for for people to think about and then hopefully by august i'll be able to make this set and and give it to my son oh man that'd be sweet um and just you know so i don't know steve we, we'll we'll talk about it as, as time goes on all right um now what is this amazing thing you found from cincinnati okay so cincy.com or cincinnati.com they posted this really cool kind of uh photo log of kenner back from some of the earliest days that it was there in Cincinnati. Um, it's got great images of the old buildings, um, and it's got stuff like images of the people. Uh, so like the founder, one of the brothers, Albert Steiner. Right. Pictures from the 40s. It's got them, and it's also got pictures from retail stores of, of Star Wars toys and Play-Doh and things like that. I mean, it's really a neat time capsule. Now, now, now before we go on, I never really thought about the fact that that the founders were named Steiner, but the the company was called Kenner. So I was wondering, maybe it was a question of anti-Semitism, right? Like if you had the name Steiner, people would, would have stayed away from it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, I was just trying to think, like, why pick the street name as opposed to your name when you start a company with your brother. Anyways, uh, maybe yeah. that's the kind of thing that maybe one of our listeners would have a thought on. Um, yeah, and I think have I brought that up before, Steve? This, uh, it's like an artist rendering of the Kenner Distribution Center from 1975. Oh man, that's beautiful! This, it just looks like this I'm giant building, like an Indiana Jones warehouse of yeah. Kenner toys inside <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna you know steal the pictures and put them up on our on our uh, website as well. But there are just my theory actually is that this this is the the pictures of the store. I think it maybe it's like the factory, like the the Kenner store, ah. you know, because Kenner had a store for its employees. Okay. So part of me feels like that's what this may be. Okay. Um, but there's 52 photos here, and the other amazing thing is pictures of the factory floor. I I'd never yeah. seen pictures of the factory floor before. Um, so you see amazing pictures of them actually building Kenner toys. Um, like there's this great one. And it's got the date, June 26, 1979. The Death Star uh, space station is placed, boxed up at the Kenner plant in Oakley. Um, and that's near the, the Kenner morgue. It may even be right across the street from where the Kenner morgue is. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, I, I went there and took pictures there and stuff. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's just really cool to see these very well-taken black-and-white photos. Um you even yeah. see like unfinished X-wing fighters. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't, you know, I just imagined that everything was made in China or Hong Kong or Taiwan. But you look at this picture of these X-wing fighters um, from 1979. Again, we'll we'll include the link. It'll be on the enhanced version. And they're just husks, you know. I mean, they're they're hardly painted at all. So right, right. there appeared to be a lot of work that was done domestically. Yeah. Did you see the one of the the Falcon? It's like the oh yeah. It's, it's put up on display on a, like a 
fiberboard kind of thing, and it has all the stickers there, and it just has a label Millennium Falcon and how it's supposed to be put together. Right. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that must have been like the, the sort of the master display for people to look yeah. at and to determine. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of great pictures of the of the goofy kids playing with the toys that would then yeah, be yeah. put on the box. Yeah. Um, and oh, as you see, there's this great one of the uh, the president with like he's his head is behind all of these twelve inch figures. Oh yeah, no that <laughs> that's beautiful because oh, man, that's so because cool. in that shot there's also the um, Kenner came out with they tried to it's actually really cool. So after Title Nine, you know the thing that made it. I don't know, that women could actually participate in sports at the college level. Kenner tried to fight against Barbie. And the way they did it was they created this doll called Dusty. Oh, man, I had no idea. And Dusty is like an athletic, realistic-looking woman who was really sporty. And, you know, she's blonde-haired, blue-eyed. But her best friend uh, was, you know, a real soul sister who had a big black afro and uh, her name was Sky S K Y E. Oh, so that's where that. Oh, I remember it was your avatar. Yeah, my before. avatar used to be that, and that was why because wow. that is an actual Kenner toy with my name. Uh, yeah. Okay. All just right, because I don't happen sense. to be, you know, just because I don't happen to have a big black afro doesn't mean that uh, I, I can't be Sky. Um, so I'm not sure if that's actually her, but anyways, I think it is. Um, I'm sure uh, Ron Salvatore can confirm. He knows a lot about uh, the crazy Kenner dolls. But, yeah, this is, again, we'll put up a link to this, and this cannot be missed. I mean, I haven't seen these pictures anywhere. Um, Just seeing things like a conveyor belt with an old lady putting the the TIE fighter boxes together, you know. Um, It's just, it's great. And it's, it's the kind of view that we haven't had you know there was that video right of of the palatoy factory and right, that's cool right. but i mean it's you know, palatoy it's cool but, <laughs> you know it's not it's it doesn't feel as quite as direct you know straight from the the center of the galaxy so to speak um so yeah i think steve wasn't there more i swear i could just i just keep looking at these pictures and just see i mean yeah, there's a ton. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the uh, – this doesn't really have to do with Star Wars, but there's that image of the guy who created the Play-Doh formula, that scientist-looking guy. Oh, right. <laughs> and it's just crazy to think that that is such a long-running product, and to see it start like that, it's just it just doesn't feel like it's, it should have been around that long, but really it has. Well, Steve, are you trying to bait me into telling my story? Maybe. <laughs> Unknowingly. Okay, so this is – you know, I don't know if you have these things in your family where things are told to you when you're really young and then you just sort of keep them in your head forever and you never really verify them. Yeah, yeah, I've had that happen. I was told when I was a kid that Play-Doh was invented in my basement. In your basement? Yeah, I grew up in this uh, – I moved, but the first, time I, the first house I lived in was this really funky old house with this basement that used to have a kiln in it and it had all these like weird murals on the wall – and the story was that the person who lived there before I did was ripped off by this guy at Kenner, but that it was actually invented by him in that basement. Oh, man. See, that sounds like one of my Uncle Keith's stories. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Uncle Keith, man. You gotta, we got to have more stories from Uncle Keith. But Yeah. Uh, I mean, just recently I saw him at Christmas, and he asked if I remembered the spaceship, and I didn't really know what he was referring to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's this? Did you? 
I, I did not recall a spaceship, and he was very disappointed. And I, I felt bad because I really, I just, I wanted to have something for him, and I just didn't. So, what, what was the story? He left it at that, very vaguely. <laughs> he just kind of walked away. Yeah. So, anyways, in our family lore, uh, Doctor Liu did not actually create Plato. It was whoever owned my house before, <laughs> before me. Um, but I heard that once when I was six years old, and it stuck with me, uh, probably in between games of power play hockey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was that was great, Steve. I didn't actually see these pictures. Um, so, yeah, go to Cincinnati.com, um, although I never know how to spell Cincinnati. <laughs> so. it's, it's one of those tough <laughs> ones where I just get the wrong end and the wrong seed in the wrong place. Yeah, so I, I just let, I just let uh, Google fix it for me. Yeah. Um, and then I got an email from Andy, and I realized that – did I ever talk about getting the Hungarian calendars? You, I think you mentioned that you, were, you had some on the way. Yeah. Well, anyways, I did manage to get some, and we are going to feature those unloved items in the future. Good, um, good. But he happened to just send one my way that he won in an auction that I didn't see, and it's just a beautiful card. And this is why, you know, we get emails every month, Steve, what's the difference between classic and enhanced? And the difference is is that enhanced have images. Yeah. Now, it doesn't really matter that much, but it is kind of nice if you're not driving and you're listening to the show. So if you have the enhanced version, you will see this picture of this Hungarian <laughs> calendar. And this is an image that I've never seen anywhere ever before. H how would no. you describe it, Steve? Well, I basically describe it as Ewok roadkill. Or about to be <laughs> <Yes>. roadkill. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a yeah. classic image of the biker scout on the speeder bike. But in the bottom of the frame is part of this little Ewok's face poking up. Yeah, I'm about to get just run over. <laughs> Absolutely, it seems like someone's like, "Hey, man, should I take a picture of like you like running over an Ewok?" Yeah, hey, then we should send it to Hungary to ma be made into weird pocket calendars. You know? <laughs> yeah. How have we never I mean, seen it this photo? It just seems so cut and paste to me. I I, I don't know. It just doesn't. <laughs> I would love that this was actually the way this photograph was composed. <laughs> I I think it is because it also feels like there's a like a picture. Of you know, like you know how sometimes kids think it's the funniest thing in the world to jump up into a frame and someone's trying to take a picture. Yeah, and that this, yeah, this is kind of like an Ewok photo bomb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like someone's taking a picture of the biker scout. He's all sitting there, he's trying to look cool. You know, he's trying to roll up his cigarettes into the uh, into the <laughs> sleeve of his t-shirt and slick his hair back, and he's sitting there trying to be all cool, I'm all bad to the bone. Oh, hi. Damn it, Lumat! Get out of the picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, anyways, sweet. thanks to Andy for uh, for sending that to us. Good deal. Uh, does that cover it for news, Steve? I think that does wrap up the news. All right. Well, I think we, you know, we are always playing around with the format, but I think if, when we don't do a limelight, it is not good. So I whipped together a limelight. So let's, in honor of. Our Canadian listener and the hockey season beginning, uh, I, I will use the Rush Limelight limelight song. It feels hacky to me, but they were just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, so uh, let, let's go to the Limelight.
so Steve, for the limelight, it's been a while since we've limelit foreign production figures. Um, but as you may know, that's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. Um, so I just, a couple really nice foreign limelights came up, so why not talk about them? Um, the first one, there's two of them. One I understand, the other I don't. <laughs> so uh, let, let's start with the one I do understand, which is right. uh, Stefan's uh, limelight of Meccano first 12 figures on 20 back cards. Oh, man. Um, and uh, you've, have you seen this, Steve? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's just... It, it's pretty sick. I mean, yeah. Um, one of the most frustrating things about Stefan, I know him fairly well, he's always very confident that it's not that hard to find Meccano figures. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been trying to find a Meccano 12-back Chewbacca. He's like, oh, you, you could find one of those. That's not that hard. I'm like, okay. Where? <laughs> um, but uh, he just sees them all together, and it's the, the square card. So, you know, Makano um, came out with 12 backs, which were on the regular rectangular cards, uh, and then they came out with square cards. Hopefully, Steve, I'm going to France this summer, and we'll be able to, to interview Stefan and a couple other people. Um, but it's just really cool to see all these cards together uh, in one place. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of mind-blowing. Um, it's pretty special. I mean, it's uh, those square cards. For whatever reason, they 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 do feel European to me. For whatever reason, yeah. I love that about them. Though it's just something different. It's true. Yeah, and I it, when I saw this, it was funny. The first thing I did was I went down and like I got my own square card and just looked at it. You know, sometimes <laughs> when you do that, when yeah, I like see you doing that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's one of my favorite pieces. You know, being French and all. Um, but yeah, I, I just looked at it like, God, I've got one of these. This is cool. <laughs> but I mean, that's a run that I've often thought about trying to go for. Um, but I, I never did and probably never will. Um, but it's just, just beautiful to see it all together. Absolutely. And then the second one, Steve, have you had a chance to look at it? Um, yeah, it's, it's the, uh, it's Brody Walker's, uh, Toll Toys collection. Right, which, and, uh, which, which are... first of all, before we talk about Australian things, is there a rule that Australians have to have Australian-sounding names? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brody Walker? I, well, first of all, which is, it's only two letters off from Brock's name, which is also... Yeah, that, that is crazy, huh? I mean, Brock actually... Brock Walker could also be an Australian name, for that matter. That's true. Yeah. But, I mean, even like Walker, like you have the image of him walking across the outback and like, you know, fighting funnel web spiders and stuff. Um, anyways, it, it just, am I wrong? Am I, am I being an Australianist? I don't know. Um, so anyway, so, so it's Brody Walker's Toll Toys collection. So describe it to us, Steve. So he's got stuff from each, uh, each film, starting with the, the, you know, the, the first, uh, a few from the first 12, and they had that nice blue Toll Toys logo. Um, and man, it just goes on and on. He got he has several from Empire, and then uh, let's see. Now the here. thing with these, a lot of them don't look that different from the front. A lot of it's right. just that on the right. back there's the offer, um, you know, that the offer is to somewhere, and I think it's New South Wales. Uh, well, we have enough Australian listeners; they'll correct us. Yes, uh, I think they will gladly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then some really cool, like uh, like the, the the Princess Leia has a different color, free four lam offer. Oh right, right. Uh, the, the Leia Hoth. 
He's even uh, got some Indiana Jones stuff. I didn't, I didn't even really connect that. That's right. They must have had those. Of course, over there. Yeah, and and the Wampa has a whole different uh, has a whole different logo offer, and then he has what it looks like a complete collection of the the Nien Nub offer. Yeah. And oh man, some of those are just so sweet. I, you know, I've I've always I've never gotten one of these because it's not different enough on the front for me. Yeah. You know, it looks just like the same. Right. Um, but some of them, I mean, the the Luke Jedi with the offer, yeah. Oh, because you know that it was never available, as a, you know, Luke Jedi was never available with a <laughs> with a Nien Nam offer. So right. that is just ah, oh, it's so good. Uh, let's go unloved. All right. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. All right, so for our unloved item, Steve has found something that I'd never seen before. And guess what, audience? Now I want one. <laughs> it's it's de rigueur here for the uh, for the uh, the unloved item, Steve. What is the Hoth Ice Planet adventure game? It is this pretty sweet board game uh, from the Empire line, and, and I was noticing, like, since we're kind of getting into the Empire era stuff, I was, it's harder to find some of the funkier items from Empire. It seems like there just weren't as many as there were for Jedi or, or for the original movie. And uh, I, I came across this board game, and I, I've come to appreciate these because, you know, the box front may not be anything that exciting. It's just a, a still from the movie. But once you actually see what the game itself looks like and all the detail that's involved in it it's pretty sweet yeah so it's it looks just like a standard i mean it looks like a puzzle to be honest if i right. saw this in someone's collection i would walk right by it and think oh there's a boring puzzle it's got the you know the picture from uh norway or whatever of the actually it's kind of a cool picture it, it is pretty cool yeah it's, it's got the 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 gun turret blowing up and it's, you see the trenches in the snow um but then you open it up, and it it's this all hand drawn artwork, and it's it's cool because right it's got it's sort of a square going along with a square card, and right in the center you have Vader, and then so I, have you read the directions, Steve? I've been trying to. There's an image on this website that has a, a decent image of the uh, the sheet, but it's hard to read a little bit. But basically. To win this game, you have to battle each of these four enemies, and then eventually defeat Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like and, uh, it's kind of like Trivial exactly Pursuit. How you sure have to what go around was the... involved in that, but yeah, well, it's like Trivial Pursuit. You have to go around the perimeter, and when you beat the enemies, you get Force cards. You right. have to have a certain number of Force cards to fight Vader. So you have to defeat the Imperial Probot, the Snowtrooper, Boba Fett, and ATAT. And then you get to fight against Vader. Um, yeah. But I wonder, is this original art out there? Because I've seen other amazing original arts out there. Um, mm -hmm. But it's got to be somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere, hopefully. I mean, it's, yeah, the board itself, yeah, it, it looks, kind of has a similar style to the, like, the backdrops for the, the play sets. It's right. got that look to it. Um, but yeah, like, just imagining, like, how sweet would it be to have just the art for that snowtrooper or something like you know that had to have been made somewhere right and you found this on a, a site called boardgamegeek.com 
dot Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of led there because the archive didn't have pictures of the inside and the contents. I'm like, I want to know what this looks like. So I just kind of did a, a Google search and came up to this board game site. Which actually had one opened up with all the all the stuff. And it's like, the, re- man, it's the reverse of the nugget, dude. We're like shaming the archive. <laughs> it's no good. No, no, it's it's good because it, it was a good starting point. Well, what's great is it also has foreign versions of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, I think, is that an so, Italian? Yeah. If you go other? to boardgamegeek.com, you can see this game in in the the by by logo, and then they've got this crazy version in Italian. Guerra yeah. Stellari, Lempero, Kolipske, and Cora, made by a different company called EG. And that, what they did for that was they took the picture of Darth Vader from the center of the game, they blew it up, and they put it over the original picture of the Battle from Hoth. Yeah, it's crazy looking. This is great, Steve. I've never seen yeah. this before. Man. All right, so, Board Game Geek, way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you should show that to your uh, your brother, right? Who's the monopoly master? He would just he would eat this up if if he he knew about it. Uh, Wow. So yeah, that's definitely an unloved item because I'd never heard of it. Um, That's that's my goal with that is is anything I've not heard of, and hopefully a lot of people haven't heard of. Yeah, and it's it's cool. I looked it up a little bit too, and there was one thread about it uh, in Rebel Scum like five no seven years ago. Oh really? And it said they sold for about fifty bucks. And if you actually go to um, Jeff's Collectible Empire, he's selling one there for like twenty bucks. So wow, I may right. wind up actually buying one from from Jeff at Jeff's Collectible Empire. Uh, cool, man. That's. I think that might be my uh, my next birthday present for for Jacob. It's got to be that. Yeah, it'd be fun. He'd <laughs> probably still whoop my ass. He'd <laughs> <Just> kill me. <laughs> Uh, you can't buy you can't buy a, a hotel on Darth Vader. Uh, uh, that was one of my best purchases of something only for the Chewbacca. You know, they came out with the Star Wars Monopoly. They'd come yeah. out with several, but the first one actually was a, f- a little bit more limited, okay. and it had a Chewbacca in it. And I bought it just for that. And I almost threw away the rest of the box, but then <laughs> it was like, yeah. ah, you got to keep it. But they're still you know missing that Chewbacca. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, with such a such a good unloved item, uh, I guess it's time to hit the nugget. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. From the archive. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. Well, Steve, it's funny because. We're going to talk more about IG-88, and uh, a lot of the reason that I'm interested in IG-88, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, is the 12-inch IG-88. Right, right. And I was going to have it be a nugget, I mean a a vocab, but I'm now realizing it's kind of stupid (laughs) to have it as as a vocab. But um, people always, you know, people know that it's just a really terrible thing to mix up Star Wars and Star Trek, right? Right. Um, but the very first Star Wars price guide, do you know its name, Steve? Uh, not offhand. So it was actually a uh, guide, complete guide to the collectibles for Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, 
Oh, well, oh, okay, so they put them both in one. They put them both in one, and Star Wars wasn't even top build. Mm. And I remember this very specifically um, because the first time I ever thought about collecting Star Wars and vintage was when I saw this book on the bookshelf, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, what's the most valuable Star Wars thing? And it said at the time that it was a 12-inch IG-88 Empire Strikes Back figure. Huh. And uh, I've actually been asking around a little bit um, because I don't have a copy of the book. And it is true that back then, even all the way back then, um, it wound up, it was, they said it was 400 for a boxed item in good condition. And then 1986? by 1996. Yep. It's 1986. So it was considered to be the absolute grail because it was so rare. And then by 91, it was up to 500, which, you know, really isn't that much. Um, and, uh, I guess what happened was that once people realized how available they were on the internet, they kind of went down. Um, but anyway, so that's what I've always been fascinated by that figure because back yeah. in 1991, I looked it up and I was like, wow, I can't collect Star Wars. That's too expensive because I would have to get the 12 inch IG-88. And I think for a whole generation of collectors, it had this mystique and this power that for our generation it doesn't really have. You right, know? right. Um, and I think a lot of it's due to that amazing first attempt at a, at a price guide. Um, so anyway, Steve, all that leads up to what our nugget is. Right. And now what we got here is it's the painted hard copy for this figure. And it's one of the most detailed prototype toys I can ever think of. It looks more, you know, like something you'd see as like a, a maquette for a movie or you know something like that. Looks like it, toy, it looks Japanese. Look like it's so nice looking. <laughs> Say again. It almost looks Japanese. You know what I mean? Like with that level of detail and playability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's got this crazy paint scheme that just you know there's no way it would have been translated to the production toy. Um, and you know Ron, this is one I think another one of Ron's entries. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of makes a conjecture that this may have been a pre, you know, presentation piece from Kenner to Lucasfilm because it was so detailed. Um, right. Which, I mean, I guess could make sense in, in a lot of ways. It just doesn't even, it doesn't have the look of a toy, really, to me. Now, now there's a question for some of the more knowledgeable collectors out there. Presentation piece? What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I noticed it, that in the title. Of, is this something that Kenner did a lot where they had to sort of show off to how good a figure could look to show it to to them i mean i i didn't i've never heard of that as far as the the pre-production process um no yeah it's interesting so yeah so he he kind of goes on to talk about how weathered it looks and the fact that it it is i mean it looks like this looks like it was done by you know a real airbrush artist and uh and just the level of detail is just amazing yeah, this thing's got to weigh a ton, too, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, now I see what you're saying about uh, Ron's comment on the back view. Yes. <laughs> now relax, Mr. 88. This here exam won't last but a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and he, he really goes on to emphasize how it he's never seen a hard copy with this level of intricacy or beauty. Um, so maybe... Maybe this can open up a level of dialogue about this. You know, I'll, I'll put out a, uh, an email to Ron about this too, and we'll talk about it more and say, you know, what really is the deal with this crazy 
highly high quality uh, painted hard copy. One dollar flicks. Market watch. Well, Steve, we got a new idea for the market That's watch. That's right. That's right. To celebrate three years of the Kivecast, three years of one dollar flicks. Uh we're gonna actually have a round table uh market watch with Fantastic Pete and Brisbane Brisbane Mike. And uh we're gonna give him a call. We can't do it now because it's it's see right now it's Wednesday and so in Australia it is purple. So the timing doesn't work <laughs> out there. And I I don't know where Fratastic is. Um you know, probably uh you know, passed out at Kappa Delta Phi. Um so we're gonna call them at some point in the next week and record that live. And I think that'll be kind of exciting. Yeah. Matter of fact, I know it's going to be exciting, Steve, because here it is. All right, so we're we're back here, Steve. We got the the market watch, the one dollar of licks, and uh, we are once again joined by our friends from Minnesota and uh, Brisbane. Now that I know how to pronounce it correctly, Steve, I'll call it Brisbane, just like he wants, right, Mike? Did I say it right? Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I, but uh, and actually on our interview we didn't quite get to it. What was the 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 origin of the frat thing was that you were in a frat, right? Fantastic Pete. But it wasn't it didn't have a cool name. What was the name of the frat? It was Delta Epsilon. Well then in that case Steve, I'm just going to go ahead and say that Delta Epsilon is the official uh fraternity of of the Finnish prod. Does that sound good to you? That sounds fair, yeah. Okay, and and at least up until, I mean, we have a lot of Australian fans, but uh, um, is there a, is there a Australian rules football team in Brisbane? Uh, yeah, there is. A, they're called the Lions, um, and there's a, a rugby league team called uh, the Broncos. Um, although you guys are following rugby now, aren't you? So yeah, we're, 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 we're trying, but we'll just we'll just stick with the Lions. The Lions are the yeah, official right. uh, Australian rules uh, Australian rules uh, uh, football team of the Kivecast. There, you see, Steve. We don't need to pay them. We just need to give them useless compliments. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyways, let, let's get to what you guys uh, did because you really uh, did some really cool stuff here. Um, so we have a a whirlwind tour through the IG88, and then Fantastic Pete wrote up this uh, economic state of the hobby. Now, now you yeah. wrote out this this long essay, and, and you're going to put that up on the on the KiveCastMarketWatch.wordpress.com, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. No, let's 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 hear some sort of examples of how. So, in general, what you're saying is, from what you've seen in the market, it's been going up since you know 2011 or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of benchmark 2011 and 2012 data just because it's a little bit more relevant. But really, you know, what we see is that it follows a lot of the similar macroeconomic trends that we see overall. So, really, since 2008, it's been rebounding with the market. Uh, but then even this last year with a lot of the news, the new movies, TV shows, um, which we mentioned things like Toy Hunters and how important that is to the hobby, right. um, the work that Jordan's doing there. We just look at demographic trends, um, the new toys coming out. So there are a lot of different very cool things happening that are kind of helping things appreciate even more than what we've seen in the past. 
Right, and and of of course the the Kivecast Vintage Pod, you know, completely. I mean, I mean, you can say it's because of the economic rebuilding, you know, but it's you know the work of us and you know Lobart and stuff that really. Anyway, I just I, I would just throw that in there as a market factor, as a major market factor. Um, but I, I I love your example. So why don't you tell us for because uh, what I what you did was right. You took just some uh, some like one figure in similar condition and then see how it's changed. So like uh, what, what was the biker scout you you uh, you saw? Yeah. So what we picked up was there was an AMP biker scout that went recently for 170 bucks, which. Um, First off, as a lot of people would say who aren't watching the market, that is a huge, huge dollar amount, especially when you think about six, seven years ago or even earlier, being able to pick up uh, an example like this for, you know, 40, 50 bucks. Right. But look at the last couple of years, it's only about a 20% increase over last year, which was more than a 70% increase over the year before. So we're just seeing, you know, continuous growth in these numbers. And some of them we picked out and highlighted just because they're shocking. I mean, literally, if you've been collecting since 2000, seeing a Crot 2 sell for $200, seeing a Rebel Pando <laughs> sell for two and a quarter, I mean, it's just unfathoming in some respects because those were figures that were so highly commoditized and so readily available for so many years. Right. Um, and so just across the board, it's just showing really good examples of what good um, performing figures are, figures that are in good shape which I think is one of the biggest pieces that when we look at a lot of this increase, what we're seeing is just a lot of upper echelon growth, whether it be, you know, the 80, AFA 85 and up or just C9 and up, whatever it might be, we're seeing a lot of growth really in that top end sector. Right. Yeah, $200 clot too, that's... Uh... That's pretty that's, insane. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty heavy. Well, well, you definitely gave a lot of uh, a lot of data here. Is there, are there any other ones that you wanted to kind of to point out or? Well, I think that just in general, I mean, as people can kind of look through, they can see what the data points were. But I think that the biggest message that, you know, this is trying to land is just that the hobby is in great shape. Things are doing well, um, in part, mostly with the kite cast. Yes, thank uh, you. <laughs> um, and then just overall, what's happening in the hobby in general. And, and I do truly mean um, the kite cast from what we're doing with the post, what you see on Rebel Scum, what you see on the archive. Um, all these different factors just are really helping support the growth and the expansion of the hobby. So we're in a healthy position, um, and it's not just from the financial position, but it's also because people love their items, because people have that emotional attachment to the different things that we're collecting. So right. uh, as long as that continues, as long as um, this type of interaction types to continue on the Internet, I think we're going to see nothing but up and up in the coming years. Right, and and actually, you know, obviously, I'm I'm kidding about the the Kivecast factor, but uh, one of the things I like is you you make reference to sort of the the trends to be wary of, and you talk about the barriers to entry, and if there's one thing that we're trying to do, and your and your website, you know, your I don't know spinoff of our of our show really helps, really is it helps when people know how much something costs, it's less scary that it's expensive, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, that intimidation factor works out. Yeah. Which, by the way, from a spinoff perspective, Michael and I still haven't decided which one of us is Mork and which one is Mindy. Um, <laughs> eventually, I think we'll have some Indian leg wrestling or, or tic-tac-toe or something to decide that. But. Yeah, that's, wow. See, neither of you are from Colorado, so that's tough. I'd have to say, though, you know, I mean, Colorado and, and Minnesota aren't the same thing, but they're, are they adjacent? Do you guys abut each other? Uh, no. Pretty close. 
pretty close. Um, pretty we've close. Got Wyoming and, in between us. Right, which is a pretty big state, but still. Uh, and then you have, I mean, you know, I, I hate to say it, Pete, but you know, Australia is kind of a you know another continent, it's kind of like an alien land. So, I, I think Mike may have won the Mork, and I think that that uh, makes you the Pam Dauber of the vintage uh, the vintage pod. Oh, All right, great. Oh, but I do have one question. Uh, do either of you have very hairy shoulders? <laughs> Not because, me. Because if you do, you get to be Mork. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No. Uh, for Michael totally wins then. <laughs> right, no, I'm, I'm hairless. I've got a hairless shoulder. Uh, all right. Well, then, uh, all right. That, see, Steve, I, I, I try and give him a chance. All you have to do to get to be Mork is say you have hairy shoulders. <laughs> Uh, well, awesome. Well, I really encourage people to go and, and read that article and, and also um, comment on it. You know, Comment on it by sending us emails, kivecast.gmail.com, uh, post on the Rebel Scum Forum, post, uh, you know, you can actually respond to the blog posts either on, vintage, on thevintagepod.com or on kivecastmarketwatch.wordpress.com. But, you know, let us know what you think. You know, how do you interpret uh, uh, Pete's market analysis? Because, um, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, and I think it's a, a good beginning of a conversation uh, about the state of the hobby. Absolutely. Have uh, to go a little deeper sometime. Yeah, yeah, that, that that'd be great. And then, uh, I I've, I I feel Mike like we've been headed towards this area ever since the figures have been getting more manageable. Um, you know, because you can't really yeah. do it with Vader, but it seems as though we've had this, especially with with Bosk, where you had the sense of you could potentially whip together a focus in a fairly short period of time. So, as you are an IG88 fan, as we, we've already said, wh what have you discovered about the market for IG88? Well, uh, it, it's certainly nice and healthy, um, and for about three thousand dollars, I found out you could have put. Put together a pretty decent run, um, really? you know, right from his debut card um, through to through a couple of twelve-inch items, um, and there was even a even a proof or a couple of proofs in there as well. So uh, you would have got yourself a pretty nice run over that, uh, you know, that, the, the month or so that uh, eBay keep auctions up for. So, um, and you know, there was no, nothing in there that's really too expensive. Um, you know, the, apart from one item which was a kind of a you know Affer eighty-five. Uh, a 12 inch figure that that went for 2k um which actually Pete had highlighted uh in a previous month um, right but yeah outside of that i mean you could get your and 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 even saying that there was actually a a boxed one uh, that went for 500 bucks ungraded so huh. um you know no need to spend the the, the big effort premium if you, if you don't want to right. but but i love the idea the the $3000 figure that you could potentially with minimal work and zero networking by the way you just have to be able to check eBay uh, this is what what you could have come up with so so where where would it start for IG88 Mike so it starts on the uh, on the 31 back and uh, and there was an AFA 75 um, that uh, and it was it was a buy it now auction um, and it didn't last very long uh, went for 175 um, which I was I was pretty surprised with I think the the, the the guy probably could have got a little bit more if he'd, if he'd done it as, a, say, a you know, a proper auction. But right. um, nevertheless, I think someone got a good deal there. Yeah, absolutely, because you know that's the debut card, and like we've been saying, and we will continue to say, the 31 backs are the rarest, and they're the debut cards. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to stop uh, one second. You call it AFA? 
Oh yeah, sorry. I should. Uh, that's, that's like the ad at debate, isn't it? I've right. A new one. <laughs> no, but it's great. I love AFA because it, it, when you first said it, I was like, "Huh, maybe the phone cut out." But uh, I love it. AFA seventy-five. It makes it sound. Uh, I don't know, kind of exotic and cool. All right, cool. So then, for one hundred seventy-five, you could get. I mean, plus it's a really nice example. You'll see pictures on the on the on the enhanced version, but. It's unpunched. This is a lot like the first figure I ever got. It's AFA 75, so it's not that expensive, but it looks perfect when it displays. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, and that's actually what I've done with a lot of my collection is buy 75s or 80s because, I mean, they look, you know, sometimes you can get some pretty relatively rough ones, but this one this one looks very good. Right. All right, so then uh, next we have a AFA 8532 back. How much did that go for? So yeah, that that one there is uh, two ninety nine. So uh, a fa fair extra premium, which I, I you know I think is going to be related to the the eighty five mark. Right, and th and that's a good example. And when when we have our big AFA debate, it seems like you know you guys will both help us because you're sort of more on the pro AFA side. It's not for me. It's never a question of is AFA good or bad. Is AFA good or bad? Uh, it's more like the market sometimes doesn't know what it's doing so why would you spend an extra hundred twenty five dollars for a less rare card in better condition you know yeah yeah and then and there was a an ungraded one that went for sixty six dollars so um <laughs> a, you know and it's in it's in reasonable shape but, right uh, yeah 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 no that's uh i think if again if you had that three thousand dollar budget you'd be much better off Buying the the AFA seventy five thirty one back, and then getting ungraded sixty six, and then for two hundred twenty five bucks, you have his first two cards right there. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. All right, so what's uh, what's next, Mike? So then there's the um, then we get into the forty one backs. Um, so there's the, the survival kit offer, which I think looks great on the IG eighty eight card. Just the the whole color combo, I think, uh, is pretty good uh, with right. that one. Um, so he sold for for two hundred, just under two hundred and fifty bucks, and again he was graded uh, in a, in at eighty five. So, so there were some really nice high end graded pieces selling right. for IG eighty eight in in recent times. Now, that's a good point too about the. That's, I'm sorry, Mike. You listen to the show, so you know one of the main keys is that you can't say one thing without me going off in a five-minute tangent. Yeah, I, was waiting, I was waiting for this one, Sky. <laughs> oh, good, Steve, because uh, Steve remembers recording the show. First of all, I'd like to agree with you that the Starburst looks great on this figure, and I think any figure like Chewbacca or IG-88 that has the yellow background, any of the Starburst figures just looks great because the yellow and the red just matches beautifully. Uh, and the other one was so 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 Pete and Mike, I have just realized that it looks as though IG88 is kind of holding his private parts and is in the card back. Have you ever noticed that or thought that, or am I just a weird pervert? Uh, <laughs> I, I've never thought that, Sky. So, <laughs> okay, uh... <laughs> but but now wow, that Sky. Is this the point where you say, "Have I gone too fast, Steve?" <laughs> yes, it, it, is. it is. I think we're just we're just there. But we're the just sad there. thing is, I knew exactly where this was going. <laughs> but because with the starburst, it looks as though it's censored. It looks as though it's covering it up, and it makes it look even worse. Because oh, you know, absolutely, even on the uh, Return of the Jedi forty eight back that I'm looking at, it looks just horrible versus the the clear because you can obviously see what's going on, but right. then it's just holy cow, what's happening? Yeah, so so maybe the offers are even even more, but uh, 
uh, have we gone too far, Mike? Okay, <laughs> we'll, uh, <Yeah. laughs> we'll 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 move on. So it seems like I got one vote for and one vote against. Um, hey, Steve, we'll have to put up a poll. We'll get we'll get Lobar to put up another poll about whether or not IG88 is holding his poll. Right. <laughs> That'll be. Uh, we'll, we'll see if they're voting. So, uh, so, so good. So we have a two hundred forty dollar AFA eighty five forty one back. Uh, what about a, an offerless forty one back? Yeah. So that uh, we had one there for for three three thirty two, um, and again graded. Um, this was an AFA eighty. Um, it, it's got that big Larry Toys R Us sticker, which I'm, I'm not a big fan of, but um, right. Nevertheless, yeah, someone shelled out three hundred and thirty dollars for it. Yeah, that seems to me to not be a very good deal because the, the the that sticker is just huge. Um, yeah, and you called it Larry. L- yeah, yeah, Larry. Yeah, Larry, yeah. I like it. Okay. Um, oh, and the other thing was you you referred to your workday as turning to custard. What does that mean? <laughs> well, actually, um, I must admit when you when you emailed me back about that, I thought, yeah, where is that saying from? So I, I looked it up. It's a it's a New Zealand saying, um, and. Uh, <laughs> We've got a few New Zealanders here at work who uh, who use it frequently, so uh, I must have really uh, got it from them. But uh, yeah, yeah, my day was not going well, but uh, it recovered and uh, I was able to join. So that's uh, that's the main thing. Right, that's what matters. So that's what what going to custard means. Okay, um, that's I, yeah. I, I like Larry and I like going to custard. You know, we're trying to expand our, our vintage vocabulary here. And I gotta say, Mike, you're 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 knocking it out of the box here with AFA. Custard and Larry. So, uh. <laughs> um, so then uh, there's a few others there, which perhaps if you, if you go to the site, you'll see. But right. um, I'll, I'll go down to the. There was a display arena, so the 45 back, um, and it went for 175. And and this is probably one of the fun parts of when I, I do trawl through eBay is is having a read of people's listings right. um, and seeing what little gems they throw in there. So um, th- this seller actually said you'd have to actually go back in time if you wanted to get a. Um, uh, <laughs> A, be- a better figure, so uh, <laughs> always find that kind of stuff funny. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, boy, there's a lot here. So I, I do, I do suggest that you go to kivecastmarketwatch.wordpress.com um, because I mean, you could get not only a 48 back B with the revenge sticker, but you could also get the 48 back C with the revenge printed offer. And it's not that easy when you're putting together a carded run to get both of those. But within one month, how much how much would those have cost you, uh, Mike? This the the forty eight back. Yeah. Yeah. So two two hundred dollars, and then uh, then then one hundred and thirty dollars. So. Yeah, that's man, that's that's really cool. You see, Steve, again, every single month. I'm like, you know, I should just take out three grand and just put together an IG eighty eight. IG eighty eight, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this one's dead cheap. Yeah, collecting vicariously, Sky. So yeah, it that way. exactly, exactly. Now the first Return of the Jedi figure. Uh, this uh, this may uh, prick up uh, Pete's ears here. The forty-eight yeah, back so, with Nian number for. Yeah, so that one went for eighty dollars, and uh, that actually sold down here in Australia. Um, so yeah, pretty nice, clear bubble, um, eighty bucks. So good deal. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's an insane deal because the you know the forty eight backs are the the rarest of the return figures, and uh, wow, that's that's just beautiful. Fifty bucks. Yeah, really tough to find him on a forty eight back. You know, probably only a few graded examples out there, and and just you know he's one of the more popular sub characters. So, yeah, it's a really good deal. Right. 
Wow, that's a, and it, but it's not like a special. Uh, no, it's a Maple Plains, Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not the. Uh, I must admit, I had a look to see because uh, I remember as a kid getting the nine num offer, and uh, no, it wasn't the Australian version of it. So. Oh, okay. Did Did you actually send away for the the nine nub offer uh, in 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 Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, all my uh, all my well, the remaining card backs I have from a kid have got the, the little corner missing, and uh, yeah, I can remember. Uh, Spending many afternoons coming home, checking the letterbox, and uh, being disappointed it wasn't there. But then it uh, eventually showed up. So. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, because we uh, in our in our new section we we highlighted uh, Brody Walker's. Uh, no wait, it's Brody Walker, right? Yeah, that's right. right. It's not Brocky Walker, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we highlighted Brody Walker's Australian collection, and uh, Steve and I both marvelled at the fact that we don't actually fully understand the Australian Yenum offer. Um, but uh, at some point we're going to have sort of an Australian roundtable. So uh, that's but that that's awesome though that you you still have uh, your card backs from that. Um, yeah, you, you should actually probably post those sometime. I think people might find those interesting. Yeah, yeah, I should uh, I should do that. Yeah, um, and then it seems like the rest of the Return of the Jedi's all kind of go for. Yeah, well, nothing too crazy down there. Right. Um, I, I, I did find one foreign um, tri-logo, um, and it went for 250 um, And uh, having collected these IG-88s, um, well, sorry, the tri-logos, it's not super common. Um, right. So, yeah, no, that's... Know, un- yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a, a very rare tri-logo. And, Steve, we haven't talked about this card back yet, have we? No, I was going to say, you know, I, going back to look at these tri-logos, I kind of forget how many of the images really are different. I mean, it's they completely take away his his background. Yeah, what what is the thought process, Steve? Why did they take away the background? <laughs> he's on a photo shoot. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's it's weird because I mean, I guess the background is that interesting. Looks like he's in front of a bunch of uh, space doors. Yes, <laughs> a space pantry. But uh, I mean, you think about the amount of work that had to go into airbrushing out all that stuff just yeah. to have him. Again, hold, holding his uh, his rifle there, just saying. <laughs> uh, and once again, they changed the color from uh, from yellow to green. But wow, so two two hundred and fifty. That's that's not too bad. But there's even proofs, Steve. That's right. We got a couple of revenge proofs, right? Yeah. So we had a graded one that went for for three fifty, um, and then a an ungraded one went went for one ninety nine. So uh, um, it's always great when you see some proofs uh, when you do do these. Figures of the month, so uh, yeah, nice to add these to to the collect to the to the post. Um, and actually, I must admit, every now and then, and I did it recently with Boba Fett. Um, there was a proof, a revenge proof sold for Boba Fett, so I uh, I went back and added him to the to the post just as a bit of a postscript, so that uh, it's there for prosperity as, as what one of those sold for in recent times. Oh, that's great! I, I believe I speak on behalf of the entire hobby when I say. As much as you guys ever want to throw in there, regardless if it has to do with the show or not, I think it's great because having that information archived somewhere, uh, it's it's great. So, yeah, how, how much did it go for? Out of curiosity, fourteen, um, I believe, um, and it's a little bittersweet too. I was going to put it in mine, but it's more bittersweet because I was the runner-up bidder on it. Oh man, oh, it, went, man. it went for fourteen twenty-five. You said. Yeah, like right around there. Yeah. Uh, there's about, there's at least, what, 49 more of them out there? So it's all right. You'll, you'll get one eventually. Uh, yeah. 
Wow. And then, and then finally, you sort of end it with the the 12-inch figure. We we wind up talking about it a fair amount on the show, um, but uh, we had actually waited to put the the one that that Pete highlighted last month. Um, uh, and then it's true, yeah. There's one unboxed that sold for 500. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And oh my God, yeah. what, what's this last thing? What, what are you doing yeah. to me, Mike? What is this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I think as I, I put this in once before, I just I'm just reporting. I'm not commenting, but uh, yeah, there you go. I, I'd never seen this before, but a U graded 12 inch figure. Yeah, I saw that one. What? And only wow. sold for 460. <laughs> yeah, so for 40, you could have saved 40 dollars uh, and not bought yourself a, an opened boxed version uh, and just had the the, the uh, acrylic tomb. Um, yeah, that that is an amazingly bad business decision on whoever, whoever took that out and boxed it, because, yeah. I mean, four hundred sixty bucks. I mean, first of all, of course, you could get a loose one for less than that. But the fact that, I mean, that's you'd have to have opened a sealed one, and even a sealed beat up box IG eighty eight is going to go for more than four hundred sixty, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this is just an example of, of where it gets to be just disgusting. And, and this is where I see a lot of people's points to why is there the U-grade? Why are we doing this? Um, this is just a perfect example. No matter how bad that box was, you just narrowed down the spectrum for that collector base um, by a fraction, and, and a sizable fraction. Yeah. 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 Perhaps yeah. that's why we end up with $200 uh, Colossus. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, it'll take a while before we understand that. Wow. So how, how does it feel, Steve, having absolutely nothing to do with the market watch? This, I have to say this was pretty awesome. You guys did a great job. <laughs> think uh, that that should pretty much do it unless you guys have anything else you want to add? Um, just for me, thanks, guys, for everything you do. Three years is a long time to be doing this, and just as much as we love supporting the show, um, we do this partially because we started from the passion you guys have. So thanks for doing this for so long. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much. That's yeah. Nice. yeah, and I'll, I'll echo what Pete said. It's, it's great what you guys do. It's, uh, it, yeah, it really keeps you, it keeps you interested in the hobby. So, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Thank well, you, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care, everyone. All right. Wampa Wampa. Talk to you next month. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Here at the Kivecast, we really do care. You can email us at kivecast at gmail.com. You can call us at our special Wampa line. That's P-O-K-U-T, Wampa, or 1765-889-2672. Twitter us at Kivecast, or join us up on our Facebook page. We really do care. Well, Steve, presuming that that went really well, uh, in general, I would say that a lot of the feedback we've been getting, Steve, I don't know if you ever had this experience. What kind of student were you in grade school? Uh, I was a total total nerd. I mean, I, I did well. Oh, really? Okay. Because <laughs> I, I was always the has potential kind of guy. Okay. Um, and so every, about once a year, I'd screw up and I'd do something really well. But like, for instance, I don't think I wrote one good paper in high school, my freshman year, but I wrote one paper uh, uh, breaking down uh, Out on the Tiles by Led Zeppelin off Led Zeppelin 3. Nice. And it's the most detailed piece of art. I mean, it's the 
probably the best thing I've ever written. You know, I was like 15 years old. And everything else I wrote for that class about Lord of the Flies and I don't know, Fern Gully. I don't with the red fern grows. All, all that stuff. <laughs> everything was terrible. I just read the back of the book. I never actually read a book in high school. But this one, this one thing I did about a Led Zeppelin song was so good. And so then for the rest of my call, rest of my high school career, every time I had that teacher. Remember the paper you wrote about the Led Zeppelins? I know you can do it, Sky. You show such potential. <laughs> All of that is a way of saying that people seem to really like the the roundtable format. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so we're, we're going to try and do more of those. The problem with the roundtable format is it's a very tricky thing to do. Like um, I, I've been I've been talking with uh, with Rob uh, Amentea because he said he'd really like to. To join in, uh, and I'm like, great, absolutely. We're gonna do one in the next couple months, and you'll be on it. And his first email back to me was, "What's it about?" And I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know. So uh, we're gonna figure that out, but uh, we, we are gonna do more because it does seem people like the polyvocal. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of one of the main feedbacks. Also, Steve, as part of the feedback, we're gonna have a new feature, and uh, <laughs> it's called Canada's Greatest Know It All. Is this where the new drop comes in? This is where the new drop comes in. Survival of the smartest. Giving up isn't an option. Canada's greatest know-it-all. Scott! Um, so anyway, so, so Scott Bradley, Canada's greatest know-it-all. Um, and I, by the way, invite all other Canadian collectors to try to dethrone Scott as Canada's greatest know-it-all. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a lifetime uh, term there, Scott. You've got to keep on coming up with this great stuff. Um, he m mentioned that when we were talking about Bosk and Beauchesk, I, I, did you know this, Steve? No, this I had no idea. This is awesome. That Lucasfilm would often use found items that were previously used elsewhere. So Boshek and Bosk's uniforms were both used in the same episode of Doctor Who. And that just blows my mind. <laughs> I don't – yeah, it's unbelievable. And the, once we started saying that, there were all these pictures showing Doctor Who or I don't know. Is Doctor Who's the guy and then – I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think Doctor Who's actually in – in that costume, like those are his companions or whatnot, or I, I don't know. I, I I guess you'd have to watch the episode to to really know. Right. I mean, it's in black and white. I didn't even know they had Doctor Who in black and white. But I'm really annoying the the Brits today, huh? I I, <laughs> I said Paltoy is not that important, and now I don't know anything about Doctor Who. Uh, see what what can I do to make up for it? Mm, Nothing. I don't know. I'm all about the Canadians today, Steve. Yeah. Ah, it's hockey season. What are you going to do? So they, they did bring hockey back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they brought hockey back. It's actually been funny because I've been trying to get ready for the hockey season, so I've been listening to like nothing but hockey podcasts and <laughs> and hockey serious radio. And it's like, it's only Canadian accents all the time. <laughs> so I start talking to Canadian accent and I can't stop. And my, my poor daughter's like, could you stop talking like that? <laughs> So, yeah, she, <laughs> Poppy, can you stop calling me hoser? <laughs> That's what she said today. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, uh. But yeah, so it, it was great. It just wound up producing a lot of interesting information all about this one episode of of uh, Doctor Who that featured these these outfits that both of them used. So we were not far off. No. <laughs> um, and then in the future, I'm going to come up with a drop for. Jaredness. I don't know 
what can we call Jared's? Well, you call it Gallery de Jared? Is that what you yeah, call it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could we could build on that. Or yeah, I'm pretty sure we, we can build on that. But uh, he, Steve, would you like to read what what he wrote about? Sure, sure. Um, well, we have another unknown product that, that Jared has unearthed. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. I think it's time we let everyone know that it is indeed a legit mini-rig. This is talking about the Ugnot car that Ron mentioned um, yes. in that episode last month. <laughs> it was actually kit-bashed and even had packaging photography taken for the 1982 Toy Fair. I think keeping these discoveries from people really hurts the hobby, just like the secrecy that kept the B-Wing pilot and skiff guard disguise hidden from the general collecting public for so long. A gem like that deserved to be shared, and I'm probably going out on a limb here and making certain that a certain party's mad. But I think the true story of the Ugnut car <laughs> needs to be shared. Uh, as I mentioned above, the vehicle was originally planned as an extension of the Mini Rig line in 1982. A kit bash example was made, and packaging photography was taken, and even a box mock up was put together to be included for the 1982 Toy Fair catalog. However, with slower than expected sales of some of the other Mini Rigs, Kenner decided that instead of putting more money and effort in producing a new vehicle that didn't even appear in the film, they would concentrate their efforts for 1982 on the micro-collection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the micro-collection didn't take off as expected, as we all know, was canceled after just one year. <laughs> I would have hoped that Kenner would have resurrected the idea for their lost mini-rig for Return of the Jedi, but it just didn't happen. I've heard rumors that some designers did push for the return of the vehicle for the 1986 Power of the Force line, but so far no paperwork has surfaced to back that up. So without further delay, he presents probably his greatest unveiling of all time, the, the UGX. UGX. UG. <laughs> I want to yes. call it the UG. The UGX. The UGX. The Ugnot Excavator. And it is. it looks completely legit. It looks I mean, completely looks- feasible because what, what he did was he took one of the cloud car, uh, you know, what, cockpits – and then he put that other mini rig, the one where you squish it and the wheels go down. What's yeah, the, N- the NTV seven. Yeah, is that the MTV seven? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was the P the PDT eight. That's <laughs> that's the one that just has a, a box with two seats. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so he takes the MTV seven and he he shows it squishing down and he colored it orange, and this is absolutely doable. I mean, we can. Uh, we can absolutely put our creative minds to create an actual UGX. Um, I, I'm saying we go whole hog on it. Yeah. So it was Chris Wilkins who made the the actual uh, the B-wing pilot and skiff guard disguise. Right. I don't know if he can do this, but someone's got to take the time, make this, make a box. Um, maybe I don't know. Someone out there can come up with. Uh, inserts, you know, with like little line art showing it. Um, but this is an ab. It looks absolutely like a mini rig, and it's great. Again, some some things just make doing the show worth it, uh, and that's that's definitely one of them. Uh, Sean K, another uh, good friend of the podcast, he agrees that the Luke Jedi and Han Solo card on Return of the Jedi Meccano cards uh, is not a miss card, but probably a question of overstock. And then he pointed something out that I never noticed. That, right, that's that the, their guns are pointed. Like it's like they're making the same pose, pointing their their pistols. Yeah, they're almost the exact same card back. Yeah, because it's always bothered me that the Luke Jedi has him with a gun. 
<laughs> you know, when I, when I think of Luke Jedi, the first thing I think of is not him trying to shoot Jabba the Hutt, which, by the way, not a great plan. Um, <laughs> he is, after all, just a fat manatee golf club. Uh, <laughs> you know, I always wanted like him with his lightsaber and looking like he's confronting Vader. Anyways, but yeah, that's almost the exact same card back. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. And then the final thing, Steve, is rugby. Right. Apparently, the way that we did it before uh, didn't actually make any sense. <laughs> so, and that, you know, that can be said for many things in life. That, it, uh... It's true. <laughs> so what we're going to do, Anthony has helped us out, and he's pointed us to the fixtures on the Heineken Cup. So we're going to bet on five of these matches. Whoever wins, or whoever loses, has to wear a shirt that says that the other knows more about rugby. So if I win, it'll say, Steve knows more about rugby. And if uh, Steve wins, then, if, then I will have to say, Steve knows more about rugby. Did I say the same thing twice? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what? No matter what, the shirt's going to say, Steve knows more about rugby. And either <laughs> I wear it or you wear it, okay? Because that's much funnier. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to just pick five matches. Let's pick the last five matches on here, okay? Okay, the last five, all right. You know, I feel like I'm at the horse races and just as confused as I am there. Scarlets or ASM Clermont-Auvergne? Uh, I'm going to go with Clermont-Auvergne, okay? All right, sounds good. Good. Uh, the next one, you have already have Monster Rugby before, so you want to keep Monster Rugby? I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Monster. And I'll go with Racing Metro 92. Uh, the next one will be Saracens versus Edinburgh Rugby. Who do you have I'll a pick go, on that? I'll go with Edinburgh. All right, I'll go with Saracens. Uh, then there's uh, the Leicester Tigers or Leicester or Leicester or Leicester. <laughs> you, hey, hey, British people! I'm annoying you even more. Um, so, Leicester Tigers or Toulouse? Uh, I'll take Toulouse. Okay. Uh, and then finally, Benetton Treviso or the Ospreys. Uh, hmm. I'm gonna go Ospreys. You're gonna go Ospreys. Okay. So, whoever wins that, um, Anthony, you're gonna have to tell us who won that. Who's gonna wear the Steve knows more about rugby T-shirt? <laughs> Um, and uh, that'll be fun. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, good. And you know, it'll be a couple of years from now, so that'll be fun because we'll have to remember to wear the shirt. <laughs> Steve knows more about <laughs> rugby, and we'll have enough time to make like a really cool design shirt. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, good, Steve. Well, so essentially, next month I think is going to be a roundtable episode. Okay. I think we're going to talk about. I'm going to just come up with certain topics, and those are going to be items, and then we'll just sort of basically do our normal episode just with other people kind of chipping in. Sounds good to me. That worked well last time. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I mean, I don't think we're going to have uh, the same folks on, but we'll just sort of see, you know, who wants to be on there. Sounds good. All right, Steve. Well, uh,. Sounds like a date. I'll talk to you next week to record the rest of the episode. But as far as the rest of you uh, space freaks out there, I've only got two words for you, and they're the same word. Wampa Wampa. Adios. Any action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars Early Bird certificate package is in stores. 
with his colorful Star Wars picture display bag and certificate to send you to get a set This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, Hasbro Toys, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. The official Hasbro site can be found at www.hasbro.com. Star Wars all names and sounds of Star Wars characters and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or the respective copyright and trademark holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Star Wars Collector's Archive, unless otherwise